Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor as he travels the vortex and landed episode number 226. And megalomania doesn't need a name, but we're still going to say ours. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm good. How are you? I'm Pretty well, good. thank you. Yeah, you guys have a good week? Pretty decent week. Kind That's of a nice. short week for us because we recorded That's on right. Tuesday yeah. last week. Yeah, so we're only five days away from that. Did <laughs> 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 you guys do anything fun? I've been rewatching Marvel films since I missed all of the up. Marvel Your with Friends. I decided I, I figured out that on I think was it Tuesday I started Wednesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Friday Sunday yes I think it was Wednesday one or two a night I'm doing one a day because I figured out that starting on whatever day I started Wednesday I think if I watch one each day up until Saturday because we're going Saturday to Marvel Age of uh, Avengers Age of, Age of Old. <laughs> <laughs> Avengers Age of Ultron on Saturday. It actually releases on Friday, but fr- by on Friday, by the time Friday rolls around, that'll be the last day and I'll watch Guardians of the Galaxy and then be able to watch. And so far, we've kept on track. The kids have watched um, Iron Man 2 and Thor with me, but tonight they watched the uh, Radio Disney Awards. So I watched uh, Captain America First Avenger tonight. So that one's, I'm all the way up to there now. And I, I watched started watching the one-shots. So... Yesterday, after we watched Thor, I watched um, The Consultant. And then today, after Captain America First Avenger, I watched If Anything Happened on the Way to Thor's Hammer. So I'm doing those in that order as well. So. Cool. I always forget about the one on Avengers. I never, yeah, the, I never uh, about what is it, Item 47? Yeah, something yeah. like that. I liked that one. It was Why cool. haven't we seen them again? They're going to a movie. Didn't you hear? Oh, they're they're, they're going to be, right an Ant- be an Ant-Man, and then they're going to get their own spinoff. <laughs> well, he, That's is, what the, he, he is a, he is a is former sh- thief, yeah. and they're bank robbers, so, you know, <laughs> it works. I, I was kind of surprised we didn't, never saw a cameo or something in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something. Yeah. Since they become S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Of course, they're not well, doing one-shots we, anymore, either. We well, haven't had a one. True. We didn't get one on Winter Soldier or Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So. But we got oh. Titus Welliver yeah. showed up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, that's true. So that's why I'm kind of surprised. I yeah. guess what's your face well, got too big with Masters of Sex? Is that the bald agent? No. Who's it? Sitwell. Sitwell's the bald agent. Titus Welliver's the gray guy from Lost, the man in black. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, yeah, and he did show up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. That's right. So after, after I watched that, after Avengers, I was like, hey, I think we've seen him on Agents of <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. And I looked him up to make that's sure. Right. That's right. I've been knee-deep in Arrow. I have eight episodes left in season two. Oh, wow. It's really good. <laughs> I see what you meant now, Glenn. It's, wow. It just doesn't stop. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> it just does not stop. And the, the, last, the most recent episode I watched could have been a season finale of most shows. And it was like just a middle of the season episode. It was incredible. It's yeah. so good. I never got bored with Arrow after that. I never got bored with it after the first season. But, I mean, it's just it, once, you, once you get the last part of the first season and all the way through the second season, it just yeah. it just grabs you. You just you keep going. Well, on this one, the one I just watched wasn't even a um, case of the week. 
it was so flashback heavy and then yeah. um it's very little real time but it was a huge following on the heels of a huge of the huge reveal to Oliver that somebody was back. Ah, uh-huh, right. Yeah. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to say that uh sneakily. Co- <laughs> yeah. In in code. Coercely. <clears throat> Are you shaking your head because you don't know? Or I'm you shaking my head because I don't know. Because okay. <laughs> he still has three episodes left. We're still at three season. episodes <laughs> of, season, of, of season one. And then, and then there's just so many shows on the air right now that it's taking quite a bit of time for Sarah and I to make sure we're caught up. Yeah. Uh, we did get a movie in. What'd you see? A uh, Hundred Foot Journey. Uh, that's the Helen Mirren uh, playing a French woman who owns a restaurant. And this Indian family moves in across the street and starts up a restaurant. And their son is like this amazing chef. And she winds up, after a short bit of rivalry, she winds up taking him under his wing. And he rises to amazing heights. It's based off a novel. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Huh. I've never heard of it. Yeah, it it was pretty... um, It was actually produced by Spielberg and Oprah Winfrey together. So... Uh. I bet it was based on a uh, Oprah Winfrey book of the month. It might have been. It was a, It was based off a novel. So yeah. I, I, I attribute Spielberg for a lot of why it was so good. Um, just really great characters and good story. It's, it was something that was like, oh, well, that looks cute if we see it at the library. And I found it at the library just on, a, on chance. Didn't have to put it on hold. Uh, we did go to Kansas City and go to Ikea. This past weekend. Oh, you did? Oh, good. <laughs> we, we originally went to Kansas City because um, there was this British gala going on. Gala, gala. Uh, at the, this church that was across the street from Bartle Hall that we caught wind of. And so we went. It was okay. It was like 10 tables in a room. And Was that all? Yeah. It was yeah. really small. It was like only the second or third year for it. So it was no British fest. It was no British. It's already the third year, and they still only had 10 tables. Yeah, it was pretty oh. small. Like Renaissance Festival was one of the tables, and Brits uh. had a table. And uh, there was this, apparently a British import shop in uh, Leavenworth. So we might try to make a trip up there. Um, so we did kind of a Kansas City whirlwind thing. We didn't go to Nebraska Furniture like Mart like we wanted to because we went to try to go find a yarn shop, which ended up being closed. And, yeah, Those Places are always closed on Sundays. Well, no, it, it shut down. Oh, it's closed. Close, it's close, it's close. closed for good. It's oh, okay. Closed, closed. Right. Uh, which was, didn't even last six months, unfortunately. <laughs> so went to uh, Half Price Bookstore and then hit Brits. They do sell curly whirlies, but they're currently sold out. <laughs> and they're 85 cents. Probably because of my show. They're 85 cents. Oh, piece. okay. Because of my show. Because of our show. Probably, I, did, yeah. I plugged them and then people ran out and bought them. Yeah. You can mail those to Glenn at. <laughs> 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 I don't think that's going to work. Yeah. Let me know how many curly whirlies you get in your email. <laughs> Just a lot of pictures. Yeah. People eating their curly whirlies. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you wish you had one. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. I did finish mine finally, my shipment. So oh. I'll either have to wait till Brits gets more in or I will have to order the, the, the shop at Leavenworth that was at the British Gala had them. So if you want to take it. So I could go to Leavenworth and get yeah. them. Ah. It's a little further, but not too bad. Not if you're going to Kansas City. Yeah. You just but jog Brits up north about miles, 10 miles. So. Yeah. so next time you go to Netraska Furniture Mart, just head north. Apparently, they have a really nice little shopping area in Leavenworth and a lot of cool shops. You should take this show on the road one week. 
and just go food. (laughs) Here we are in the car. We're driving to Brits. Okay, now we're in the car. We're going to this loving store. And then, you know, we're already that far. We might as well go to to, uh, Sedalia and get some wow. (laughs) I thought that place shut down. King Chef closed? That's what I thought. (gasps) I never heard that. I could be wrong then. But I'll be honest, I haven't been all the way to Sedalia in a while. I went to... There's one in Warrensburg, Warrensburg, which is closer, right? Yeah, that's the... Yeah, Um, because there's one there. It's further south, but it's closer west. It's on Highway 50, yeah. yeah, So it's... Anyway, we should do that. We should just have a... A food trip? A food trip. (laughs) trip. Because I need an excuse. And then, and then we can go get some big cheese pizza in Salina because I didn't get that either. <laughs> going all the other, complete other way two hours. <laughs> Did it take us that long to record the show? <laughs> I think I'm going to go to, when we go to Time Mitty, I'm going to go to Wichita by way of Salina instead of going south. I think I'm going to go through Salina and go down through McPherson and... Because I'm going to stop big cheese pizza. <laughs> just so you I'm just cra- every, you mentioned that last week, and I, oh, I'm craving big cheese pizza. <laughs> what was what was what's the pizza? Is it just the big cheese is what you ordered? I mean, was that what it was called? Or I don't remember what we. I had think a you could order. Thing. There was one called the. We always we always order. Uh, it's their meat lovers. What's it called? I think it's just called the meat. Is what it's called. And it's just got everything. I mean, meat wise on it, it's got. Canadian bacon and sausage and pepperoni and beef and I'm sorry for pizza. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we always get. We really like that. Always have to get a small one for the kids though, because they only like she Caitlin like pepperoni now. Actually, she likes some of the other meats now, so she might actually eat the meat now. Oh, but we still have to get a, a, a cheese pizza for Mason. So. <laughs> I uh, remember last week I. Gave have a, a website. Raving review for Predestination. I went and read the short story that it's based on. Yeah, how was it? They did a really good job adapting it. They added some stuff, but the core of the story is there and true. They elaborated on a lot of stuff. Um, and like I said, they added a bit more to kind of bookend it. This is and, not them. And to give it a bit more of a steak. There's, there's something at stake in the movie, and there's not so much in the book, ah. in the short story. But it's the large chunk of what, arguably, the best part of the movie is what the short story is, ah. just in more detail. So I, I would recommend reading it after you see the movie. Okay. All, and although I do think the movie make explains it or makes things – the book's fairly subtle in what it does. I think the movie is a little bit more – is not as subtle, a little bit more blatant about what's going on and explaining. So you're not as confused. Okay. But I would recommend reading it. If you watch the movie, Pretty if you don't watch the movie, just go read the story. And okay. If you don't, if you don't like Ethan Hawke, then just <laughs> go. I can imagine there's somebody else in the book, right? Yeah. Because there's no names actually for anybody in the book. <laughs> okay. Or, or most of the movie, uh, there's one name in the whole movie. Okay. This is a trap. (laughs) I'm warning you now. There's no names in this book, in the story. It's a trap. Any one of them could be Ethan Hawke. (laughs) It's a trap. Uh, In fact, you go to the IMDb page for the movie. It lists the bartender, the unwed mother, as as their names. Now you're you're giving too much away. I feel. I sense. No, I'm not. I'm really not. (laughs) Not at all. 
We also got a movie in this week. Ooh, what'd you watch? Mad Max. Oh, I've been wanting to go back and rewatch those before the new movie comes out. I've been wanting to go back I, and watch them. I know watch Sarah's them. not going to want to go see You haven't seen them? I've never seen them. Oh. Any of them? I've never seen them. <gasps> really? Yeah. How is that oh. possible, right? How is that possible? You I'm being pretty sure such I've a film even seen snob. Them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big hole in my Kleenex. <laughs> um. I don't know if I've wait, seen wait, all wait, of wait, them. Wait, I know wait. I've seen at least. You're not a film snot. Oh, there's a difference. That's thing. different. <laughs> um, Mad Max is a rough watch. <laughs> is it? It is. It's been a while since I've seen it. All I knew about this, I think, is I remember Beyond Thunderdome a little bit more than Mad Max I, itself. Well, probably the Road, even, the Road Warrior. Yeah, Road Warrior is well. You've got Mad Max, then you've got and Road Warrior, Warrior then you've then, got Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I, I, so, yeah. All I know about this is that there's – okay, so it's a post-apocalyptic. It's Australia, and there's a fighting for gas. And Mel Gibson. And Mel Gibson says very little. That's, that's all I know. Oh, and Tina Turner has a song in the third one. That's all I know about this. <laughs> so, she's in the third one. Well, yeah. yeah. So we sit down and watch this. And it's in the near future, but it's not quite post-apocalyptic. I mean, it doesn't look post-apocalyptic. <laughs> there's still grass and trees. Strangely enough, the outback – or at least where they shot Mad Max looks a lot like Kansas. <laughs> it really Western Kansas. I mean, there's mountains in the background every now and then. It's like, well, that's now you've ruined it. But other than that, <laughs> dirt roads and grass. <laughs> Mad Max was done on a very shoestring budget. Oh, oh yeah, very totally. Yeah. Um, and it just, I don't know. It's just uh, Mel was kind of laying there the whole time, going, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and the, the biker gang would show up, and they're wreaking havoc in town, causing all kinds of problems, and being just in general weird. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, I, I'm, I'm, "What are they doing?" I'm, and I said, "All you really need to know at this point is that these are the bad guys. They're going to cause problems for Max later and make him mad. I can guarantee you that's where this is going." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never seen this before, but I that's that they're 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 going to chase. It. Okay, here's this couple, and they're fleeing in their car, and here come the motorcycles. They're going to kill these people. And the only reason is so that you can now identify these people as the bad guy. <laughs> That's <laughs> the only purpose they serve here. And I was right. But, I, you know, it just it kind of goes along and it does its thing. And it's like, why did they get a sequel? <laughs> and, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. As, as a film snob, wonderfully shot. And it's impressive that they did so much of the actual road chase stuff. With you know, this is before GoPros. It's all full size cameras and at full speed. I mean, none of this was was sped up or anything. So I can understand that. And for doing it with no budget and coming out of Australia that doesn't have much of a uh, um, film presence. Film, yeah. Oh, what is it? Oz. I forget what it's called. There's like Bollywood in in India. They, they, there is apparently a name for Aussie Land. <laughs> <laughs> You're insulting our uh, our Australian uh, listener. Listener. Um, <laughs> the one sole listener. The one sole listener. is picking us up on his his aerial. Oh, I'm disappointed the they dropped off on Prime. <laughs> you, you make him sound more back out back than they probably well, he's, actually. He's, are. he's out back. He's, he's in the out back. You say he. We know we have a female. Oh, she's from. Uh, she's a Kiwi. She's from. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, yeah. see. So you're talking about this guy? We may have picked up on Periscope yeah. <laughs> pre-show. Okay, I get you. I get you. His name is Crocodile. <laughs> Stepped into that one, didn't he? Um, but uh, yeah, I, it's just you know, it's one thing. And I, I, I kind of Mel was like, "I'm done. I don't need to watch the other two I was like, "No, no, no. You got to watch. You got to watch Road Warrior." I was like, "Why?" Well, I hear Road Warrior is so much better. I hear all this stuff about you know it's the greatest stunt movie ever made and blah blah blah. I said, "I just 
in my head, I can only equate this as this is El Mariachi. El Mariachi is not a great film, but they saw enough in it that they gave Robert Rodriguez some money and said, here's a budget, go make another one. And he kind of remade it with the budget. And that's my understanding is what Mad Max is to the Road Warrior. And she says, okay, I'll watch Road Warrior, but I'm not going to promise I'm going to keep going. I was like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll try one more. So it, I didn't know until I saw the trailer for the new one that the same director had did all of them. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Because I, I remember thinking that – I. In my brain, for some reason, I thought the Road Warrior was the first one for some reason. And then... It would follow and, the Road Warrior, Mad Max, Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome. That makes logical well, it's, sense, but it's not. Why does that make logical sense? Well, for the same reason, that, what's the first Rambo movie? First Blood. And then Rambo First Blood Part 2. Yeah. And then Rambo 3. See? Right. You, you, you start off with something, and then you come back to it. <laughs> what, to why, why is Pitch, pitch Black... Chronicles of Riddick, Riddick. His name winds yeah. up being more important later because okay. now he's somebody versus, but no, this is Mad Max. And then the Road Warrior is like, who is this guy? Well, see, uh, see technically, I, I, technically it's Mad Max 2, the Road Warrior. Well, but I've always heard it as Mad Max. Uh, they no, never no, no, build no, no. it that way. They never build it that okay, way. And, and, and I, later on, when they remarketed it oh, to okay. show you that it was a second film so that they could sell you on the first film, they went back and called it Mad Max 2, the Road Warrior. Because I think even the Blu-ray that just came out is just the Road Warrior oh, okay. on the cover. It doesn't huh. say. Doesn't I, say I just remember from what I remember of the series. It's just Road Warrior, isn't it? It's not. It's not even the Road Warrior. It's it's the Road Warrior. The Road. Warrior. Oh, okay. The, yeah. I just remember, that's important. <laughs> I just remember Road Warrior and <coughs> Beyond yeah. Thunderdome having such different feels to it. I thought they it was do. A all, all three films have yeah. such different. Feels I think I've only it. seen two of the three. I can't remember for sure. Well, here's, he here's, seen Mad Max? Here's, here's the difference is from what I remember. Mad Max, it's like a fan film. It's like somebody went out in the desert and said, we're going to shoot a movie. <laughs> and then got a little bit more money. And so they said, well, we're going to do this same kind of film, but we're going to do it on a Hollywood budget. And so they did. And then they said, well, that was successful, so let's do one of these story, one of these with a story. And <laughs> they did Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Or, yeah, Beyond Thunderdome. And it actually has a big Hollywood story. The character of Mad Max and a story. <laughs> and <laughs> and a budget. budget and the story, yeah. So I, that, that's how that all played out. Did you guys know that the guy who brought us Mad Max brought us Happy Feet? Yeah, that's a weird – I found that out last night and was like – Doesn't it say that on the box art from the man who brought you Mad Max? <laughs> and, and, Happy feet. Um, and Babe. Babe, Pig in the City, not the first one. Not the first one. Yeah. Pig in the City. And Witches of Eastwick. <laughs> Explains how – that big, big in the city was, <laughs> <laughs> and the witches of Eastwood. Yeah. Oh, okay. But see, seeing the trailer, for, you've seen the trailer for the new one. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like the most glorious, well, beautiful thing I have ever seen in my life, and I know nothing about this series, so I immediately came home and Mel, we've got to watch these. She's like, okay, okay. They did a legacy trailer where they showed clips from all the first three films. Oh, did, see, I haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah, it's a yet. really cool trailer because apparently they've confirmed now that it is the fourth film that apparently Mel Gibson is going to show up in some sort of cameo role in the new movie. Oh. So it's like, oh, okay. I heard that he met with Tom Hardy at some point, but I didn't know he was going to show up. That's yeah. He, cool. He's supposedly he's in it. So, but yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, they go off and they take this vacation. Oh, and the bald guy, you remember the bald captain of the, that's the other thing is that every time they would cut back to the police headquarters, which was in a complete state of disarray, you definitely got the sense that something had happened that caused society to move on, but it wasn't apocalyptic. Hmm. Not yet. 
wasn't nuclear for sure. Anyway, on the, the little archway out in front of the, it looked like, I don't know, it looked like the old closed Coca-Cola plant. But they had this little archway out front that said Halls of Justice. And the S was kind of hanging off the you know, thing a little bit. Every time they would cut back to the scene, I would go, Meanwhile! And it didn't help the mood. I'm gonna, I will be honest there. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, Aquaman is in trouble. You know, it was that kind of every time they went back there. But the bald captain with the gargantuan mustache, mm-hmm. James told me today, he says, you know who that was? I said, no. He says, that's the, that's the Nazi that Indy fights under the airplane. Oh, And I went, Really? He says, you didn't recognize him? I was like, no. He says, he looks exactly the same. I was like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> didn't recognize him at all. But, but that's him. So, a little, little factoid there. But anyway, they go on this vacation. Like, they leave, and they're going to leave their troubles behind. And it's him and the girlfriend, and they take off. Or the wife, I don't know what she was. And they just leave. And Mel starts to ask, she goes, where's the kid? Because they have a, a very young infant who at one scene in the living room is playing with Max's gun. And we all braced ourselves thinking, oh, here it comes. <laughs> and it didn't happen. I'm like, okay. But where's the kid at? I, was like, I don't know. Maybe she left him with a neighbor because the kid's not in any of this dating montage travel log. <laughs> and then they get to a farm and the kid's playing by the side of the road next to the car. It's like, oh, they did have him. Apparently he's been hanging out in the back of the car the whole trip. The whole time. All right. It's weird. But... I'm still I'm intrigued enough to keep going. So yeah. So you haven't watched Beyond Thunderdome yet? Not yet. Okay. I want to say I've seen bits and pieces of Beyond Thunderdome. Like that was one of those movies that I may have caught ever at Grandma's. I think they used to replay that on cable quite a bit. Oh, I think it was an HBO staple forever. But uh, see, I think I even as a I didn't kid, even have HBO, I, so it couldn't have been an HBO. I think even as a kid, I knew. Well, this is the third one, and I haven't seen the other two, so I'll just wait. <laughs> 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 42 years later, here I am. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it was a rough one. And this is the thing, because it was after work Saturday night. So, you know, I didn't get off until 11 or something. And then Mel texted me. She says, well, I'm out with my brothers. We're at the bowling alley. You want to come a bowl? Said, okay. So we went and cyber bowled for a couple hours. We closed the place. So that was one. And then we got home and got oh. everything set and everything. It was two in the morning. She goes, what do you want to do? I was like, you up for a movie? Okay. So we watched Mad Max at two in the morning. <laughs> Did you rent those? I run them from work, yeah. I'll have to go by the library. So yeah, I, was say, I need to figure a way to get them watched. Move now, in, in the... They app- were on Amazon Prime. Unfortunately, they dropped off. In, in the absolute ridiculous department, this is the Blu-ray box set that we got in. And it's in this tin with like a Blu-ray wrap thing around it. And I was like, oh, that's got, it's not quite a steel book, but it's kind of close. Yeah. Okay, so here's the deal. The, you take the Blu-ray wrap, wrap off. You take the tin apart. And it's, just, it's just a tin. It's like you could put candy in it. It's just a tin. <laughs> You open the tin, and you know what's inside the tin? A Blu-ray case that has three discs crammed into it. <laughs> <laughs> what was the point? Just give me the... I don't need this. It's not even a cool box. I just Forget put, the tin. I just put candy in it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I opened it up and went, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the level of disappointment started early. <laughs> cool packaging. No, it isn't. <laughs> be a metaphor for the whole series. <laughs> I think it's a, an apocalyptic tin is what it is. They were to, preserved to be because they were in tin. metal. Uh, well, see, that would have made sense. The Reservoir Dogs uh, yeah. metal yeah, is, a, is a gasoline can. But. Can. Yeah. And not one mention of gas in this movie? It's readily available? Well, the, 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 the new trailer makes it sound like gas is such a big deal. Yeah. More than I remember the old Or water, made. one of the two. I don't yeah, remember. But yeah. yeah. Something. A liquid commodity is rare. Yeah. 
anyway, I just that's my news. I watched. Um, Give us the litany. Atari Game Over. Oh, I saw that pop up on your feed that you were watching that, and I thought about watching it myself, and then didn't. You should. <laughs> you so should. This is the one where they they go and they find the the uh, they excavate the the landfill. Right, so if right? you don't know anything about this, <laughs> a year ago, oh, is this the ET game? Yeah, a year ago, it got really huge on the internet that really <laughs> there was this. They they had discovered that that Atari had potentially dumped like thousands, hundreds of thousands of Atari. E.T. games in a landfill in, I can't remember the name of it, somewhere in New Mexico. I can't remember, Alamodo or something like that, Alamoro or something like that. Dumped all of these cartridges, supposedly dumped all these cartridges. So it has been this, like, it's like the, it's like the Ark of the Covenant for geekdom. There's been people that have been researching this and trying to figure out if these cartridges are actually there. Well, the you have to set this up with just a little bit of backstory. That ET was the, the biggest flop in the history of video, of, games. of video games to date. You set it up very well because it was not. That's what the no. That's I what owned the, it. I can guarantee. That's what the <laughs> well, show well, well. The problem. It, it sold well. It played horribly. Yeah. No. That, that was the problem. Was Here's they the charged thing, 40 yes. bucks for this cartridge, and there were nine the screens. Best, you know what's wonderful about this? I loved the game as a kid, by the way. Oh, loved it. God. And Holly loved it, too. <laughs> so I went into this a little apprehensive, knowing that this was what this was about. So I went into this. The, the, the movie's actually done by Zach Penn, director mm, of um, yeah, yeah. Well, several films. I, did he do... Um, uh, oh, geez. Not ringing a bell. Uh, hang on. He's done uh, some action films. Is he related to Cal Penn? He he wrote the Incredible Hulk. Yes, he's yes, mostly he a writer. Yeah, um, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, he wrote the Avengers. He wrote the story for the Avengers, uh, the Incredible Hulk, X Men: Last Stand. He wrote uh, fantastic other oh, video game. Uh, he wrote Elektra. He wrote the story for X Men Two. Yeah, uh, Last Action Hero. Uh, okay, he's okay. got some credit. So, yeah, I guess yeah, mostly he is. Uh, he's got three director credits apparently. Signal to Noise, The Grand, and Incident at Loch Ness. Yeah, he's a he's a writer. I guess you'd say he's a film writer. Anyway, so he 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 did this documentary. He's the one that, that produced, directed, and wrote this documentary. And uh, as you set it up, that allegedly ET is what killed Atari. That's what has always been the legend. Is the that legend. It, did so, it was so bad that it completely crumbled the industry. The beauty of this is is it the, the story is is around this supposed massive dump at this place and this amateur archaeologist who decides that he's going to go there and excavate it. So Zach Penn goes. He's going to um, document it. And all of these like Game Geek people come from all around to come see this big event of them unearthing this. And they had this whole science to it. They had a photographer allegedly in 1982, I think is when the dump was – 83 is when the dump happened. And they had this photographer that took some pictures of allegedly these trucks going out there to dump this mm-hmm. off. And from the angle of that she was taking the picture in a picture of her is how they determined where they thought in the dump this was. <laughs> now, the problem is this was all dumped in 1983. Yeah. This was excavated last year in 2014. <laughs> so we're talking at least 20-some years have gone by, 30 years have gone by since – these cartridges were allegedly dumped there, so we're talking about st- stuff piled up already on them, dug. So these, yeah, this are isn't just deep. a random field. So this, in this documentary is so wonderfully done 
because they they go through the whole process of they they had to get permits to get in there. The EPA was af- afraid of them digging in there because they don't know what else they're going to oh, earth. Yeah. They had to go through this. They had like one day that they could do it. They had I mean, there's all these con- and and so the the stories go. But as this story is playing out, interweaved in this is the history of Atari and how it came about and how um, they had this one star. In fact, his name is uh, the game designer. It's the game designer. Howard yeah. Scott that Warshaw. Warshaw is the is the game designer. He, this is the man who created one of Atari's greatest video games of all time. Do you know what it is? Yars Revenge, one of the ultimate best video games ever. He created this game. Hmm. He also create. He also was uh, instrumental in creating uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, or yeah, the Raiders of the Lost Ark video game, which was arguably much better than ET um, <laughs> and other games, but. Here's what happened was this man these these guys would often take you know like a year to develop a game yeah sometimes a year and a half and that's how you got these really great video games but when ET came out it was so successful that Atari and the producers of the film they wanted him to do the game before Christmas so they could sell it at Christmas so he had five months it was unheard of oh geez. to have five months to produce a game and he said I can do it. Five and a half weeks. And he, or I'm sorry, five and a half weeks. I'm sorry, you're right. It was because it was right at the end of the year. It's five and a half weeks. Thank you. Five so, and a half weeks. Totally unheard of. I guess more five months is probably the normal is what I'm, I'm confusing it with. He had five and a half weeks to develop and get this game on the market for Christmas. And he did it. And it was amazing. Uh, a feat. Unfortunately, he is known because when the game came out, so many copies were returned that it really hurt Atari's mm-hmm. image. Now, when you boil it down... There, it wasn't. Atari had a lot of other things that were happening at the time. In fact, it was it was poor businessmanship. It was when the higher ups and the at Warner Brothers that owned Atari at the time. It was the way they were doing marketing and things like that that killed it. But it really coincided, unfortunately, with ET. Uh, so everybody blames ET, but it's completely, absolutely not. They didn't even lose as much money as they ultimately paint that it did. And so, <laughs> when it when it boils down to it, this this man is remembered for this for killing Atari, which he didn't, and is and should be in the video game Hall of Fame, and he's not. But he made the greatest Atari game of all time, which was Yars Revenge. Anyway, this this huh. it's so wonderful. He goes there. He goes there because it. The interesting thing is Atari has never denied that they've dumped them there, but they've never categorically had proof to show that they had. Yeah. So it, it was real interesting. Anyway, the, the way that it plays out is so good. It's been, it, it starts out as this really weird, I'm watching this documentary going, are you kidding? They've got this, like, they've got the, one of the, they, one of the guys they talk about is an Xbox uh, developer. He's one of the, I think he co-founded Xbox and is one of the game main game developers. You know, they have these experts that are talking about, you know, recounting the Atari story. They have the founder of Atari. They have the guy that from Warner that that basically took Atari on when they said, "Hey, we want to sell a video game system," and he said, "Yeah, sure," and got it. You know, and they, they talk about the culture at Atari, which is very similar to Silicon Valley, Silicon, Silicon Valley nowadays. You know, with the very relaxed atmosphere. I guess there was a lot of not that doesn't happen now, but there was a lot of drug use back then. During at right out there, <laughs> I mean, they, there was smoking marijuana. Apparently, the game developers' room and everything like this. That so probably would have made whole, ET a better game. There was this whole culture, <laughs> and uh, well, this guy that was the developer. Um, what'd you say his name was? Uh, Howard Scott Warshaw. He actually went on. He's now like a, a life coach. That he completely got really? out of the gaming business because he was he was so burned by the element, and. 
he got out. He's 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 really got his life back on path. But he see he had some real bleak, dark years where he was like, you know, he just didn't know what he was going to do with himself. And it's it's oh, a fascinating I'm not, story. I'm going to say this. I'm not going to blame because I agree with you. Yar's Revenge is maybe not the best for me. Top five for sure. Atari games ever. I'm not going to blame him for the fact that ET sucked. Well, you can because he well, he designed it, but he only had five weeks. Exactly, I, 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 that's he just said it. He five and a half weeks, weeks to that's do why it. He did. That's why you can here's, blame here's, him. Here's the he thing. said he would do it in five weeks. Here's the thing: for those of you who've never played, you know what? Though if he didn't, somebody else would have. That's true. <laughs> for those of you who've never played ET, the communicator is broken into three pieces. There are nine screens. So think about you know think about the Brady Bunch open one two three four five six seven eight nine. That's it. And you walk around on the screen, and then you walk off the edge, and another screen shows up. And you can go up and down or whatever, right? And nine nine different levels. Nine. Does it say nine on there? Because when they were talking about it, he designed it as a cube. Nine would be a cube. Yeah. Is there nine sides to a cube? Yeah, nine sides to a cube. Oh, I was missing a sign. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Top and bottom. (laughs) Yeah, so nine. Yeah, so nine. It's it's divine to design in a cube. Um, if you go, well, up no, this you're way, right. There'll only be six because there's only six. That's spots what I on a thought. Die. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's there's six. But the, the way he describes it is it's it's cubicular because if you go up this way, if you went all the way around this way, you would continue. You could continue the same screen, the screen the Same way this yeah. way. Yeah. It, it, I thought it was nine, it is, but maybe you're, okay. So it it's even crappier. Yeah. <laughs> there's only six screens. You have three pieces to find on six screens. Okay. So you go and you find the piece, and you find the piece, and you find the piece. Now, every now and then, the scientist character will come and capture you. And when he does, you lose the pieces you've picked up. And he takes you to one of the screens, which is the lab. And then he leaves you. And you hop off the table and walk off. That's it. You don't even hop off the table. You walk from behind some pillars. Yeah, there's nothing nothing there. (laughs) He just deposits you and leaves. It's the worst security ever. Because he just walks away. It's more annoying than anything else. Okay, so it's not even though guns turn into walkie-talkies. Yeah. So then you 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 collect the pieces and the signal gets sent out and then you go to the forest screen, one of the six, and the UFO comes down to pick you up and take you away and you have to stand in a specific spot of all these trees where the the UFO. Well, you're underselling this because you have to pick up the four pieces, make the phone call home, then the thing comes. Well, yeah. Three pieces. Yeah. Be- before the scientist comes and picks you up again. And sometimes... Well, there's an FBI agent, too, who walks around. No, no. There's the scientist. That's it. No, there's no FBI <laughs> agent as well. There's no thing. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a sci- okay. there's an FBI if, guy if, that comes. If and- I never saw him. If there's an FBI agent, you know what happens? He <laughs> picks you up and takes you to the lab. It no, doesn't he doesn't matter. take it's you to the, the lab. I can't effect. remember what the FBI agent is. It's the did. same effect. At any rate. It, it, is, it is another obstacle to At any rate. Hey, you forgot about Elliot. Oh, that's right. If the FBI guy gets you and touches you, you fall over dead. And if you don't, call, oh, yeah, you then, summon Elliot. And then when Elliot he comes, comes he down. comes down right. and revives Elliot you. Comes, so he, there was a lot dead. more to this game. Don't <laughs> let him undersell You this. laid there You also had nothing. to pick up Reese's Pieces. You laid if you there. Commun- if you yeah, like what did accumulated the Reese's enough pieces Reese's do? Pieces, then I don't remember. Nothing. <laughs> it was a score counter. That's what it was. Uh, yeah, you tried. Well, if you got so many of them, I no, think you, got you didn't get anything. Yeah. So anyway, if you, you lay there dead, and then you summon Elliot, and he comes to you and touches you, and you're back alive, and then you leave him so that you can go pick up more pieces because obviously you dropped everything when the FBI agent <laughs> killed you. So you wait in the forest. The UFO picks you up, and you succeed. Big triumphant fanfare of digital eight bit music. Da 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 da. Whatever. And it flies off. No, it's not because then it well, deposits it you over again, and it starts <laughs> over again. And all they've done is taken the six screens and move them. <laughs> and you play through it again. 
that's it. Well, five and a half weeks. That's probably pretty good. It's not a bad game. I used to like it. It is a horrible. Although once I beat it the horrible. first time, I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> it is a horrible, 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 horrible game. And yes, it is often cited as one of the worst video games. You play the whole thing through. It just went da da da. It's the biggest failures in video gaming history. And yes, because the game tanked so badly, it is decided as a contributing factor to the video game industry crash of 1983. And it's not. It's not. It was because Atari made bad business decisions. But the failure of E.T. kick-started that domino. No, that is not. No, that is not. The movie movie proves that there was actually no correlation whatsoever. But because... It seemed to happen at the same time. Well, here's the thing is, this became such a build-up in geekdom and the internet and internet history... That now we are programmed to think that that was the collapse of Atari, and that's absolutely not true. It's it's, it's never been mentioned. In fact, Atari went on for many years. They hadn't even created the fifty six hundred before this had gone, and they they rode that wave for another three years. Atari didn't actually see, collapse funny at all I, until uh, like nineteen eighty eight. I think. I, I think it, I think it limped now. along until eighty five, is what I remember. And then I remember being disgusted with video games in general and not having anything to look forward to and being so out of it that when the Nintendo Entertainment System came out in 1989, we were all like, what is this? This is a little different than an Atari. Wow, look at these graphics. This is amazing. But from E.T. till then, I remember nothing. No, I remember just, probably- just because you don't – that's the problem though is – and then you're like a lot of people. You have this – misinformation in your head. You have this mismemory because there were a lot of games that came out after E.T. Um, Pitfall came out after E.T. Uh, some of the greatest Activision games were all on the heels of E.T. They're, Atari, well, but Atari actually... Uh, what? But not Atari. No, but I mean, they, they were... were they were. They continued to... They were probably Atari's... At the end of Atari's... But when Atari started licensing out to other companies, that was also a demise because they lost a lot of control over... Because they didn't make them... That's why... Nintendo locked into making sure that you had a Nintendo license. You could not make a game for the, that would work on the Nintendo system without getting the okay and approval from uh, Nintendo. Right. Because Atari had let their license spread out so much. There were, there's actually X-rated video games that you can play on the Atari <laughs> system. And the reason being is because Atari never had an arbitrary license. Anybody mm-hmm. could make games from the code, plug it into an Atari, and it would play. But a lot of that also sustained Atari for the longest time. You still had to have the Atari 2600 Entertainment System in order to play the Activision games. My point is is that E.T., while it may have been a failure for a game, Atari continued to make games, and it was it was actually the decline. It was the way that, that business was managed was the entire decline. It had nothing to do with E.T. And the proof for this reason is is because I'm going to spoil this movie for you. When they get down to it, <laughs> they actually the, the it's it's so crafted so well because they dig down and there's this you know they're like oh I don't know that we're going to find anything. And they get down lower and lower. They finally find a newspaper from 1983, which t- tips them onto the idea oh, getting close. that we're getting close. This, this is at least stuff from that year. So this, they actually have this renewed hope that we might actually have the spot where all of these ET cartridges are buried. And the first thing that they find, they pull it out and they look at it, it's an ET cartridge. It has proven that this urban legend is true. Guess what? <laughs> they start pulling stuff out and there's cartridges of all, almost equal cartridges of every game. <laughs> and what they finally discovered is that there was some distributor 
that for some reason had gone out of business or something, and they dumped all of it. wasn't It wasn't even it wasn't Atari even at all. Related. It was just a, a warehouse, which in is New why Mexico Atari couldn't that confirm they it. couldn't get. They, you know, they just they dumped them instead of trying to unload them or sell them cheap or something. And that's exactly why Atari didn't have it. They couldn't deny it because they were like, well, maybe we did dump cartridges out there one time. But they found out that there's not this huge, massive. In fact, they said it was only like a, a like a. A per- small percentage of the game were ET cartridges. <laughs> that there were other ones out there. There was Pac Man. Seven hundred twenty-eight. Seven hundred twenty. Yeah, seven hundred twenty-eight thousand cartridges of various titles is what wound up in is, mm. is being recovered from the dump. And so the, the it pretty much unfortunately not all of them were ET. <laughs> the cool thing about it was is that while in it, it was spread out cartridges, it did prove it did it did prove that cartridges had been dumped yeah. there. They just it what it also is it it clarified the myth is that yeah somebody did take pictures of dumps there but the it was misinformation. It wasn't oh, yeah. all ET cartridges. It, it got it's such a good movie. It is and, so yeah. well done. Oh the movie's fantastic. It's one of the best films ever made. The video game no, 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 no. Oh, Atari, Atari game, uh, over. game over. <laughs> it's a wonderful telling of the growth and demise of Atari and how the ET debacle is not really even a part of hmm. what 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 created well, yes nobody denies that it's one of the one of the worst games of all time. It's been labeled now as the worst game of all time by probably more people that have not played it than have. That's what <laughs> that was another point they made is that it's become such this. It's become such a legend that so many people believe it with the advent of the internet. Oh yeah, that it, it really because there are sitting at this table. There's two of us that have played it, and one of us liked it. And Holly actually thought. I mean, it wasn't the best game that I had in my Atari collection. But it was an entertaining game. It was simple. It was it was quick. Once I beat it, I don't think I played it much anymore after that because I was done with it. But you can say that for any of these fifteen dollars games that you buy on Xbox now. You know, it's yeah. just, it's realistically that's that's what it boils down to. Uh, between December nineteen eighty two and January nineteen eighty three, the game eventually sold one point five million units, becoming the best selling Atari twenty six hundred title. However, between two point five and three point five million cartridges went unsold. Yeah, so that was it did, they, they yeah. expected a higher. That what was, happened that was, was part of the problem. When people with ran out and bought it model. because it was they wanted to get it out for Christmas, and it was under every Christmas tree that that <laughs> year. Unfortunately, because the gameplay was not that good, people wouldn't run out. There continue was no word of mouth. And that was the other thing they talked about is they probably over um, produced the game. Because yeah, oh, yeah. they were counting oh, yeah. on, because they said, they "Oh, we look, we sold a million plus copies of this thing," so they kept mass producing these things. Uh, Unfortunately, yeah. when it got out there and the gameplay wasn't that great, people just didn't buy them, so they got stuck. There was with no follow through yeah. with it. Yeah, and I was and one of those the, people the that I begged and million. begged and begged my oh, father for too. this thing, and I we went too. to Richmond Gorman's, and he plopped down forty some odd dollars for it. I think it was I think forty nine ninety five. I think was it was the most expensive game ever, which is why it was the top That's selling. That's not true one. either. It wasn't the most expensive game. Ever. <laughs> it's the most expensive game I ever this bought. This is this is why <laughs> this is why you got to watch this documentary because it's it's people that have they they the memory cheats. They remember things incorrectly. They hear somebody say it's the worst game ever, or they hear people say it was the most expensive game ever, and it's it's that legend that has built up and and. And while your memory of it being a bad game is accurate, everything surrounding it is is fed by. Yeah, I, I remember, man. and he didn't want to spend it. He didn't want to spend it. And I finally played, and we got home, and five minutes in, I was convinced this was the worst <laughs> game ever. I would, and take, I would never tell my father. Oh, I that. wouldn't tell him either if that was the case. To this <laughs> day, he thinks I still enjoy playing ET. I'll tell you, <laughs> unless you e. listen e. to the podcast. ET, much better game than Pac Man. 
The Pac-Man port for no, Atari was no, horrible. No. It was one map every time. It was the same oh. maze every time. The and I would Pac-Man play that for was Pac-Man was than. blocky, and it was. And You're talking the original, the original Pac-Man. Yeah, the original Atari Pac-Man. I would still play that. Before it was I played <laughs> horrible. It was so bad. It was it talk was about three monotonous. color. Nothing. Three colors. Three yeah. colors. Wasn't even the right colors. The yeah. ghosts were all the same color, and when they turned quote unquote blue, they were just kind of a transparent color. I mean, it was horrible. There was a light blue background, dark blue walls and dots. Pac-Man, I think, was still yellow. Wasn't it? Pac-Man was yellow. Yes. And then the ghosts, like I said, they were they, oh, they, were, they, were, they were dark blue with this flashing bang, kind bang, of thing. Bang, <laughs> yeah. bang, when it had eight power pellets. It was terrible. It was so bad. Um, and I'd still rather play it. The best <laughs> games, obviously, were like Pitfall, uh, River Raid. Of course, oh, anything Activision, Activision did. Uh, Kaboom was really good. Activision. Kind of lame. That's what I'm saying. That was pretty lame. But, well, they, they were, that was the whole, paddle. you got to have a paddle to play. Uh-oh. Breakout, super breakout. Anyway, even though I've given it away, it, the, the Mega Mania, the in, the Sequest, the oh, you know, Defender for that Atari actually made was good. That was by Atari. Yeah, Defender yeah, was Defender good. was really good. Um, and I like and Star- Revenge still is the best game of all time. It Star is, Command, it is Star Voyager, my all-time, Star something, all-time favorite. Um, but watch the movie, even though I spoiled it for you, because <laughs> it's it's one of those movies that I sit there laughing at myself for watching it because it's so squirrely done. It's squirrely done. And it builds and it builds and it builds and by the end I'm like I have goosebumps when they find the first cartridge and I'm like oh my gosh he's he's really constructed a documentary that almost is making fun of itself and then still, takes this serious turn at the serious. end but while still going it's really tongue in cheek as well it's just, it's so well done so it's I on, it's on uh, uh, Netflix right now I will so, I will watch I highly recommend watching it you won't change your you won't change your opinion of the game it might change your appreciation of the context that that, oh, I, that I, have, uh, I have nothing but ET has been fascination for that, yeah. that 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 era. It's interesting, yeah. but yeah, ET. <laughs> Sorry, I I, do, I <laughs> railed way too long on this. Did you watch anything else? What was it? Other than your Marvel? Other than Marvel, I watched Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man Two, Thor, Captain America: First Avenger. That's as far as I've got. Tomorrow is tomorrow is uh, Avengers, and then on from there, Iron Man three, Thor two. That means there's still time for me because we were only going to do Phase two. Yeah, yeah. Because I just just, as long uh, as I do Avengers tomorrow, I'm still okay. As soon as I watch Avengers, I'll be done with Phase one. And still do one a day. And still do one a day, which I I won't get to. But you could do a couple a day if you needed to, though. And you said you're probably not going to do Guardians because it's not directly connected. Although I'm doing it because I have to, I'm a purist and I have to do we're, all the phases. We're worried about making sure we get the Agents of Shield watched before we go see Avengers, just in case. Yeah, so I'll, like, I'll end up watching that on. I'll have to watch it Wednesday because I always so watch we'll, it. The we'll day have after. to like, wait till the weekend because Sarah's usually close to being in bed by the time I get home. Ah. So that's my problem. We, we have to. We have to wait for. Shifts. Yeah. We have to wait. To I, know, watch I don't everything. Think, on I don't the think. Of, uh, so like even Game of Thrones, which aired tonight, we have to wait. This weekend think, to watch it. Oh, we the did thing watch is, Game of Thrones. I everybody, about that. I haven't watched Game of Thrones you yet either. Black so. yet? I saw it. It's keep in mind crazy that I'm, this season. Yeah, it's it's, it's really wild. And keep in mind that I'm really not up to snuff with. Oh, they're yeah, watching you, it. You, I'm there for it, but I don't really. You you kind of fell off of season. Two well, because I was working such yeah. weird yeah. weird shifts. But I think with Agents of Shield, I think everybody's ready to make sure they watch this week. So if there's a tie-in, they don't miss something. Like or get spoiled like we did last well, I, year I or would have last year if you didn't I, I watch it in order. I think it'd be order. next week's episode, not this week's. 
Well, that would spoil yeah, something. Yeah, but I mean, Avengers. last year, last year, Agents of Shield really led up to yeah, um, Captain America, and then yeah, if you, when you watch that episode following, the, I think we're I, I don't think there's going to be hardly any connection whatsoever well, see, this time, and we're gonna we're, we're all gonna go. Oh, <laughs> where's the connection? If they were smart, there'd be a connection. Well, the uh, let me see if I can find it. I follow uh, Agent or er, Marvel's Agents of Shield. On Instagram, and they did a post with both logos, and it's all connected. So they're promoting they it, it as all connected. Okay. So there's well, going to be. Hopefully, something. they do a better job of making sure people don't watch next week's Agents of Shield before they've seen. Because that's yeah. what happened: is a lot of people watched Agents of Shield the following week, hadn't got out that weekend to see Captain America: Winter Soldier, and went. Oh, you just ruined Winter Soldier for me. <laughs> I, I, I remember I when Winter Soldier came out. To miss this weekend. <laughs> I remember when Winter Soldier came out. Somebody tweeted Greg Clark and said, "So you know, do I have to see this week's, or do I have to see Winter Soldier before this week's Agents of Shield?" And he replied, "It's all connected." And they didn't. <laughs> and then they <laughs> and were then mad they at him. It was like, but "Don't be mad." He said, "I told it's all you, you had to see this." <laughs> all right, let's move on to news. News. We start our news with. Something sad. Another actor has passed away, Rex Robinson. He's been in three Doctor Who stories. Uh, he played Dr. Tyler in the 10th anniversary story, The Three Doctors, the scientist who joined forces mm. with the Doctor and unit to help defeat Omega. Uh, he then came back in the monster Peladon to play Gavik, a Peladonian Triskelet miner. And then he finally appeared on the show in 76 playing Dr. Carter in The Hand of Fear. And his he was wife, the one that was keeping tabs on Sarah Jane while she was unconscious yeah. in the hospital before she got up, muttered, Eldrad must live, and wandered off. <laughs> his wife was also in The Three Doctors. Really? Yeah. Doesn't say what her role was. but Unfortunately, he has passed away at the age of 89, so he had a nice long life. Mm-hmm. Our other bit of news... Doctor Who won a BAFTA. <laughs> Yay! The best special, visual, and graphic effects in 2015. Aw. <laughs> Man, awards, awards. It beat, yeah. <laughs> it beat uh, Atlantis, David Attenborough's Conquest of the Skies, 3D, and Ripper Street. So, Yay, Doctor Who. Good job. That's it for news. That's all I had, anyways. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Just say it. Tip. Oh, oh no, 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 no. I, I was trying to think. I thought you Doctor were, Legacy. I thought you were. Um, I thought you were saying trying you to jog my news. brain. No, I didn't another... have any other news. I just trying no, to jog his brain. He always forgets and wants. No, to no, no. I knew what that was. I was trying to think. There was something else that came out this week that I thought was rather big news, but I didn't put it on the scale, on the uh, notes. So. Apparently not. I went through the sites. I'll remember go it next week, I'm it. sure. The only thing I can think of is that... Because um, there was Eccleston stuff that we didn't talk... Was, that we decided yeah, not to talk uh, about like last week. Eccleston stuff, and then there was... Uh, uh, um, uh, Long Island, who moved to a different location. But we said that last week, But I thought we yeah. talked about that. Yeah. We did. Um Anyways, we'll move on to the Doctor Who Legacy. Doctor Who Legacy. Tip of the week. 
This one comes from Time Lord Ben again. He says, if possible, check in on more than one device daily. Time, uh, time crystals and fragments accumulate on both. While they don't combine between devices, they do accumulate individually. Stocking up on time crystals and fragments on two devices can help things move faster. So if you don't have the enough time crystals on or time fragments on one, you could go to the other one because you do have all of the same characters unlocked on both devices. In the same levels. And you can level them up from there. It's a good tip. Yeah, it's Very a really good, good idea. Wait. So so if you have so, a, my gameplay Characters and levels, everything unlocked where I left off. Just make that's sure you upload to the cloud yes. before you log into it's uploaded to the cloud. But time crystals and fragments could be different. They are different. They, they are different. They don't carry. Not could be key. There's no carry. Like when I got my new phone, if I you have start over. ten time crystals on one device and you have two time crystals on the other device, you don't have thirteen technically. You have no, ten. Have you could 12, use them, but <laughs> you don't have ten on one device. You have ten on one device that you can use, and you have three on the other device. You can use. I noticed that. Okay. I'm onto your tricks. <laughs> That's crazy. Same thing with fragments. If you have 50 of the blue fragments on one and 20 on the other, you don't have 69 fragments. You have. So then, <laughs> sorry, if... <laughs> you don't have 70 fragments. You have 50 on one and 20 on another. If, if I used, let's say my other device has a whole bunch of fragments, and, which I'm not. I'm only playing on the one device right now. But if it did. You could go level somebody up and then go back to the other game and keep playing. <laughs> Just means you you have to play or check in on the other device every day. Yeah, I'm having a hard enough time on that with. Well, and, and I and I believe you. Know, you can you could check on you could check in on both devices and get a time crystal in each one. Yeah. Well, uh, work towards a time crystal or two time crystals on each one. And if you go have the, uh, what's the name of the level that you can play in the fan area that'll give you one crystal each week. Uh, you could go there and play it on both devices. I played that one this week and got you it. You a crystal in each one. So. <laughs> and then I thought, man, why have I not been playing this one? <laughs> it's a level 50, though, isn't it? It's designed to be a level 50, but I, I, I took my tank team in there oh, okay. and played it. Uh, ben also, uh, he, t- he tweeted us these suggestions, and then he also uh, said he's noticed that he's been playing levels on his iPad, his secondary device, and getting quite a few time crystals. Uh, he, play, he plays most on his iPhone and rarely gets time crystals, but playing the same levels on the iPad has a higher payout of time crystals for some reason. Hmm. Which is in, an interesting. Dense, but maybe. Who knows? You know. Who knows? The, I think <laughs> the only thing that annoys me about the two different devices is if I get on my iPad and I've got six new levels and I finish all of those levels, I go to my iPhone and, and open it. New. They're No, they're, they're, I think they're still all there. Like open, but they all say new. Oh <laughs> so yeah, the new yeah, that's is what still I mean. There. The, yeah. the flag is. They all say new, yeah. yeah. But I can, I think I can, I think I can still play through all of them. Can't remember. I haven't done that in a while, but um, yeah. And I, uh, who Brannigan tweeted us, and he just started playing last yes. week. Welcome to the game, yeah. And he was excited because he could start getting something out of our Doctor Who tip of the weeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> in chapter four, uh, there's more levels added to it, and I'm done. <laughs> I made oh, some progress already, on yeah, chapter oh, yeah. three. I so blew through. I'm there. There were, I was surprised there was only like four new levels. So did they add more to bigger on the inside also? I uh, didn't go back, but I don't think so because I didn't oh, have a new okay. banner on there. So, oh no, yeah, I didn't go back. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe I should check because they may have added new levels there. I didn't usually didn't when they add what levels. They, I don't remember. I don't seeing, they usually have a new banner on that one when I when they do. So I don't know. I'll have to go check. Maybe I do have some more levels to play. 
Either way, that's our Doctor Who legacy tip of the week. Should we do news? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again, Time Lord Ben, for those tips. And if you have a tip for our Doctor Who Legacy Tip of the Week, please send them to us through feedback, or you can also send them to us through Twitter. We'll uh, read them out from there, and we're always looking for new ones. Um, we we have a lot from Ben, so we've been doing a lot from Ben. We had Eric. Uh, we still we, have one in We still in, have one in, from in Eric. The... So, Eric, we've still got one in hold. Um, but, yeah, just uh, send them our way. If it's ones that we've used, then we'll probably pass them over. But if it's ones we haven't used, we'll uh, put them on the air. Or we won't remember what we've used and read it anyway. <laughs> That's quite possible. Because <laughs> we don't have a master list anymore. <laughs> First up in Maybe feedback. Maybe we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be like us. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was I thinking? I'm sorry. First up in feedback, Dr. Phil sent in some audio. Let's give it a listen. Oh, keeper protectors of the vortex. Hey, it's your favorite vortexan, being that I'm from Texas. Anyway, uh, Dr. Phil here. Um, wanting to comment on a few things. I guess you guys are finishing up watching Genesis of the Daleks. and Because uh, I was teaching from 7 a.m. until 9 p.m. Uh, solid been, um, with rehearsals in between. I probably will be out cold as you finish the story. But um, I simply adore Genesis of the Daleks. And um, one of the favorite things, besides the amazing performance by Michael Wisher and, of course, from... Thank you. That's exactly what I wanted to know from Niter, who was icy and wonderful. There's just so many great performances in this, in this story, and I think the three regulars have such a great chemistry in Series 12, which I love Harry Sullivan. I mean, yes, he's old-fashioned, a bit sexist, um, and a bit dopey. Um, Harry Sullivan, you're an imbecile! But, um, um, I don't know. I like, I like that combination of, of the fourth Doctor, Sarah Jane, and Harry Sullivan. Sorry about the creaking win, uh, windows. Uh, just it's raining where I'm driving now, but um, we're commenting about Jago and Lightfoot. Um, Jago and Lightfoot started off at Big Finish um, um, with a companion chronicle called The Mahogany Murderers, and then after that is when they moved to doing series one of the, of of the um, of, of Jago and Lightfoot audios. Um, I think they're what up to six or seven now. Um, I've, I haven't caught up on, the, on that range yet, even though I think I, I've put it away at this point um, under my iPod. But um, the six Doctor audios, which were not originally mainline audios, those were special releases that were originally going to be download only, but they proved so popular that they actually pressed them, which was the Voyage to Venus and then Voyage to the New World. And from what I understand in the um, final um, adventure story that's coming up soon from Big Finish... I would assume they'd probably have Jago and Lightfoot in it, but I might be mistaken that for the Worlds of Doctor Who release that had Jago and Lightfoot and a bit of Gallifrey and, and a variety of things. So, um, having not uh, listened to Worlds of Doctor Who yet um, recently, I'm not exactly sure. But um, anyway, uh, back to Genesis. Sorry, I'm rambling. It's been that kind of day. Um, another thing about Genesis I think is fabulous is it's one of the few stories of that era where you get a real moral at the end of the stories. I mean, I know you grew up watching things like Transformers and G.I. the end of G.I. Joe. There would always be like a moral to the story, you know, and knowing is half the battle, G.I. Joe, and all of that. But I thought it was great at the end of Genesis of the Daleks is that even though they'd failed, and Sarah points out that they'd failed, it's like, well, a lot of good things can come from even the greatest of evils. And I think that while... 
Some people might think Genesis is too long, and yes, we probably have to forgive the terrible clams, but um, and the fact that they travel across a wasteland that should be pretty far very quickly, is that it's a story filled with great, or it's a Doctor Who story filled with great performances, great score by Dudley Simpson. Um, I mean, you just have to listen to the difference between Robot and Ark in Space and how much Dudley Simpson goes from kind of optimistic and robot to completely bleak for the rest of the season. Although he doesn't do the music for uh, uh, Revenge of the Cybermen, that is, uh, which just turned 40, I believe. Um, happy anniversary, Keith. Um, but um, that was Kerry uh, um, Blyton who did um, the often lambasted um, Silurians score. But um, I love the music to Revenge of the Cybermen. But anyway... I digress, but I'm going to get back to listening to your most recent story. I, for one, adored the new Star Wars trailer. Hope you guys have seen the trailers for um, Star Wars Battlefront as well, my dear, for um, Star Wars Rebels, which looks like it's going to be phenomenal in Series 2. I love the end of Series 1. So, anyway, well, I should say season because that's an American show versus Doctor Who, which is a British show. Anyway, um, on that note, I'll leave you, but you guys have a good one, and I'm looking forward to the next episodes. I'm s- still listening, um, and, and every time there's a comment out to me, I'm like, I start giggling. So, anyway, I appreciate it, and you guys have fun. Bye. Thank you, Dr. Phil. Thanks, Dr. Phil. And you were absolutely correct about Rebels. That trailer looks amazing. Well, Battlefront and looked really good, too. Battlefront <laughs> looks good. Rebels ended in such a cool spot that makes me so jazzed for Season 2, and I was kind of mad on Season 1 for most of it. It was good. It was enjoyable. It was still a bit too adolescent for my taste, but <laughs> the way it ended and then what they're doing with season two looks really, really cool. Now, I haven't watched either. I'm still <laughs> getting ready to gear up for my Clone Wars watch. Uh, so that's. I'm still watching Let that. I know too. when you start watching that because I'm, I'm a little behind. Um, I, I've only seen I just finished season, season one and two. three so. on my Clone Wars And I'm going to rewatch because. It's been so long since I've seen Are you guys going to do the actual order or the air order? There's a machete there, order for that, too? <laughs> the, yeah, it, aired, it, it airs out of order. It, it Not airs. It takes place out of order. Some episodes take place before other episodes. Just going to watch. Like there's, there's, a whole, the there's a whole arc in season four that's set during or right after the Battle of Geonosis. So it kind of jumps all over the Clone Wars. I'm going to watch the way they were <laughs> the way they watched aired. by everybody else. Yeah, that's what that's what I've been doing too. Yeah. I, um, okay. <laughs> I, I guess I thought you knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, is there a reason? I mean, is it a flashback or is it just no? This just happens to be set here. It, as far as I can tell, they, they, they just had a cool story. idea and wanted. Yeah, they wanted yeah, they had much. a story to build on. So yeah, they thought they. I can keep up with that. Yeah, I don't know how me Mel too. would feel about it. She might want to watch them. In I'm I'm a smart enough guy that I can I can place I can things. place things. Uh, for and a while. and ninety percent of the episodes, there's no defined time frame where they're taking place. There are some where you can tell, okay, this is taking place before this, but ninety percent of it is pretty much it's just a battle somewhere in the Clone Wars. It's okay. not a big deal. So. Did but didn't I, we talk about this on our other podcast that we did before the show, sure Traveling the oh, Space? Well, you know, Dr. Phil didn't send in feedback to that one. Ah. So is um, – <laughs> am I am I incorrect in thinking that the uh, Rebels Season 2 trailer featured Osaka from Clone Wars? Spoilers, yes. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I didn't want to know. <laughs>
<laughs> you there, saw you saw the trailer. No, I didn't. You hadn't seen. No, the trailer. I haven't seen the trailer. Oh. When I said, can you edit that when out? When he asked, and I said yes. I thought you said and yes. And then he, I said, it. oh no, I was still in Battlefield. Uh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood yeah, you. That's the only reason I brought that up. Oh, yeah, no, I hadn't seen it yet. There's somebody else in the trailer. Well, yeah, there's <laughs> that. Besides, besides uh, a certain asthmatic six foot two. I didn't want to know that either. All right, we're moving on. We're not talking about Rebels anymore. Oh, he was in like the pilot when they re-aired the pilot. I haven't seen the pilot. Well, I did see the pilot. When they re-aired the pilot, they added a scene no, no. with him in I did, I did. I determined I haven't even seen the pilot. I realized that I saw that oh, really? three-part movie, the one version that they did. Then they break that's, the first that one. Was, that's, huh? not, that's not Rebels. I that's thought they broke the no, first there, there was episode. Like, there was one episode. That was, I think, maybe twice the length, and they put that okay, on so DVD. Okay, so that's the one that's on no, DVD. I think it, or, that's it, the one it, I It might see. even just be 30 minutes. And it I, is. It's 30 minutes. Yeah, it, that's the one that's on DVD. That's then the they pilot. must have the first two episodes on DVD because they wouldn't have released a 30-minute DVD. I, I, whatever I watched was weird, too, and then we I'm pretty we sure did, they did because my mother-in-law thing. has complained uh, about watching the same 30 minutes over and over. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a 30-minute thing, and I thought, wow, Disney's really grasping at the dollars. Almost like they're doing a BBC. Okay. Well, I thought when Mason and I sat down and watched it, I could have swore it was like fifty some minutes. No, I'm sorry. But there's, I feel really there, bad there, that I spoiled that. There, for there's you. someone else in the trailer that's not even. By the time I got him. around to watching Rebels, I probably would have seen something online anyway. Oh, I'm I'm surprised you haven't already because well, Mason and I had every and Mason's seen a bunch of them. That's the, that, that's the problem. Is Mason and I intended to watch these from the beginning, and because we don't see each other hardly at all during the week, he catches it on. Disney yeah. Channel just watches them, so he's seen probably at least a third, maybe even half of the season. Well, there, there was when they finale aired. Uh, I made sure to watch it really quickly because I heard there was a huge spoiler, and there was even a speculation that a certain character is somebody else, and that speculation turned out to be true. So I was kind of spoiled in advance, also. Mm. Pleasantly pleased with what they did, but. But yeah, there's somebody it's else. It's kind of fun to be completely oblivious to. <laughs> there's somebody else in the trailer too. That's it was uh, that, fun that made my jaw drop more than I'm sorry. Else. Are you saying there's a Star Wars TV show? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What is this of what you speak of? The droids Ewok hour. <laughs> I'd be all over that. I would too. I wanted all those. On did I? Did I tell you I went back? An entire season of those. On DVD. I, I, I bought the the the, the two pack that had the the droids two pack on it, and I was it was the the you know mm-hmm. the, yeah. the thing. Yeah. Did you notice the, the the theme music is not there? Did when you have you watched it? Did I have you watched watch it? it. The theme, the 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 Stuart Copeland from the Police theme song for droids. Is not there. Oh, There's no opening the to it. it I know. Day. What's up with That's that? Weird. Oh, I was so angry. And then I flipped it over and put in the Ewok disc, and the we are the E E E E E Ewoks is not there. Oh, it's not there it's either. It's not there either. Wow. They didn't oh, do didn't either. Of the thing. And I don't know if it was an aesthetic thing to try and keep them. Well, it sort of feels like a, like they, they did it in such. It's a, like almost a movie. like a movie. Yeah. Like it was yeah. edited as a movie, and right. they, they, they put credits over the right. Right. over the the show, but there's no opening. Title sequence, and it's like, oh, I missed the title. It's, the title it's, sequence is It's awesome. ripe for releasing all – Nelvana's gone, so Disney shouldn't have any problem picking up those rights. They have the Lucas – they have everything that Lucasfilm owns about them, so they just need to put them out on DVD for those people like me that's going to say, here's my money, take it, and buy it. And same thing with droids and 
Same thing with the holiday special, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but, <laughs> whatever. Make that an Easter egg on something. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, as far as Revenge of the Cybermen and its 40th anniversary, uh, before watching Genesis, like two weeks before, I watched the first part of the season. So I watched, I rewatched Robot. Oh, did you I really? I know you Arch talked about doing that. But. I did uh, Santaran's Experiment like the day before we started Genesis. So now I'm going to go on and watch Revenge of the Cybermen, and uh, then I'm probably going to go and watch uh, Terror of the Zygons, even though it's not part of the season. It, Kind of it's still part of that arc. It's, yeah. It bookends this, the, the book arc. Harry's there. Yeah. Yeah. So, Harry's there and then gone. Um, I kind of broke it up. I didn't watch them all at once. I kind of watched a couple episodes here and there. This is how desperate Keith is for some form of continuity. He's off seeking it out on his own. <laughs> That's what it was. You said continuity and then... I wanted to talk a little bit about that article that they did on... Oh, Cast that article. Yeah, about, oh. yeah. It wasn't really news, but... Um, I didn't read the article. There was I just a, saw oh, the headline. Well, it was a good article. It was an interesting article. I don't agree with it hardly at all, but it, I, it was an interesting <laughs> article. I'm, I can see, I can see the point for doing away with continuity altogether. But I'm, I'm one of those people that I accept the fact that Doctor Who continuity cannot be ret, uh, retconned sometimes, or explained, or even beholden to, but. I like – I'm one of those types that can like in my head go back and say this connects. And I think if you got away with doing continuity, at least to the degree we do it now, it would lose a lot of that fanboy giddy appeal. You wouldn't have those fanboy moments as much. So is that what they're saying? Stop referencing the past That's, pretty much? Well, it's not even so much stop referencing the past, but it's more trying to – and I agree that I think there's too many battles in fandom where people – argue over well this doesn't work because of this and this and unit dating doesn't work because of this and blah, blah, blah. there is a lot <laughs> you of make that. a joke out of that on the show itself but but the thing is i the, the article is basically trying to convince the show to stop beholding to continuity and just uh, he makes an argument for you have to be you have to have some continuity within the most recent well, yeah. time that you're talking or then you have but he even makes an argument for doing away with that as well because it, it lends to some freedom in writing and things like that. And I, now, I disagree. I, I like the fact that there is the there, that Doctor Who has a very loose continuity and that it really boils down to the fan as to how you want to treat to the piece it together continuity and, and canonicity. Yeah. And I think if you start to give writers and producers carte blanche – then they will stray so far away from a lot of the threads that connect Doctor Who and get too far away from it being that it's got we've got fifty years worth of history that for the most part connects. For the most yeah. part. There are a lot of problems with the continuity, but for the most part fifty years connects to itself. And if you got rid of continuity altogether and quit adhering to it so much, I think that you would start to spread the show out into more of an anthology piece. And I don't want to see Doctor Who as an anthology piece. I want to see it as a continuing history. Yeah, I don't think you need to go back in and fix everything. But if a writer comes up with a very clever way to fix a problem with continuity, oh, yeah. all power to them. So I, I, it'd be one thing I, if I they thought had the article's fascinating, but I, I disagree with it almost 80%. If they had played faster and looser 
in the 60s and the 70s with what a little continuity they did have at the time and made it more of an anthology show back in its formation i'd be okay with the, with it but now 50 years later getting rid of continuity is unrealistic and agree and what it's a show about time travel and you can travel in space what, how much more freedom do you need well, I think they can tell any story they want. I, I partially agree with Glenn. I, I thought I thought it was a good article. I thought it was a very interesting idea. I disagree with his end purpose. I don't know that I disagree with most of what he says, but I mean, and and and, and to be specific, it's not canon. It's it's the 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 actual yeah, chronology of the continuity that you know the, the the people who worry about. Like the unit dating, for example, that is it the 70s or the 80s because it's kind of ambiguous and it's not nailed down and we're okay with that up until Maudwin Undead when they specify it was the 70s or was it the later than that? I don't remember I which one it was. they specify it was the ladies, but it, the 70s, but it completely negated Because uh, Sarah Jane Sarah comments the eight, you know, being yeah. from the 80s. She says she specifically says 1980 or something to that effect, which put mm-hmm. it in a future dating versus what this one said later, and that's what caused the whole uproar. Is that well, well which one is it? it. <laughs> but <laughs> that's the key as we've now. talked about previously, how many times has the Earth been destroyed by solar flares? Well, yeah, several. <laughs> and you know which one is the definitive? Oh, that's what we're talking about in this episode. You know, and it's yeah. like, eh, it's that's one of those things that with Doctor Who. As you pointed out, it's a time travel show. I'm not going to, you know, even, even my, be- even my beloved Star in- Trek, which is one of those huge, big continuity things. They're very, very big on continuity in the Star Trek universe. But if you go back and watch the original series, they don't actually say the United Federation of Planets or Starfleet until like episode 16. Right. Yeah. They talk about United Space Command. They talk about. I mean, it's got a host of all the, other the different thing is names. The, the and you're show like, is in, the, in its infancy doesn't know what it's going to be. Exactly, yeah. and, and so they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have well, any it's, of that it's stuff. Finding back then, its so. continuity. It's the same way point. with early Doctor Who. I mean, yeah, look exactly. how long we went without the word Gallifrey. Yeah. I mean, or Time Lord, for that matter. Yeah. So those are the things that you just went, went on a, on a, on a uh, on a long enough timeline. You know, <laughs> you just let it go. Oh yeah. yeah. So, you know, is unit dating important? No. No. It you're really absolutely right. No. Unit dating is not important. But connecting the threads on many things are. So that's why I can't advocate for getting rid of it. Well, it's like the duck pond. <laughs> Dude. And he, he even calls out the jacket that you like yeah. so much that, you know, the, the you know. Why oh, doesn't the, the doctor have a jacket in the <laughs> flesh and stone? Well, and then yeah. later on... But we learned why that was. Well, but the, the, his point was, the reason we learned that is because it was a continuity error that the writers, or that Moffat... They just screwed up. ...said, Somebody okay, just, well, they, we screwed up, so we'll make, it, and, yeah. we'll make it right. So he and fixed he, it. And he does. Post, he fixes it. Much. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if you... you by stepping away from the continuity argument, when you're beholden to continuity, you don't have to worry about. You do that. that if you're not beholden to it. You don't. You just let it go. The yeah, but that's is, the though, close enough continuity that he's still talking about needing to keep. We as fans, <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah, that's true. We as fans. Well, he even like I say, he goes a step further to advocate for getting Complete. rid of even the the the, the 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 current continuity as well. But we yeah, as these fans have grown to accept that there are threads that will never link over 50 years. What adds even more to that are the people that are, are fans of the books and the comics and Big Finish, which 
while Big Finish, I think, tries its hardest, and in fact, even retcons a lot of things in the process because they're very clever about it, but there's a lot of things about the books and the comics that will never I, – I, I oh, yeah, just showed you that one Cyberman story that completely oh, yeah. can't work in the, in the context of Doctor Who nowadays. You haven't got there yet, but – um. So it's just. It's just me being oblivious. Well, it was. It was that part of our Frobisher. Yeah, it was yeah, part it of was. our Frobisher. Yeah. We when we went. It wasn't really a Frobisher story. Yeah. It was. We went in and, yeah. and did a few more things, but. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the later ones that we're, we'll revisit when we do a second Frobisher archive. But uh, it, it, there are certain things that I think fandom has just come to accept the, the idea that you're not going to be able to tie together the continuity and and. We're okay with that. We don't have to have somebody come along and make another rule saying, well, we just throw it out all together. That's what bothers me about that. It'd be like and Star the, Wars the guy throwing is, out all the EU books. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like Star Wars Legends. Um, it's, it's, I'm, I, and I'm fine that the guy has his opinion. And, and like I say, he makes some very valid points. But overall, I, I just disagree with him on so many levels of, of, of the articles. So. If you haven't read the article, I don't it's think on our Facebook it. page. I don't think the, so yeah, definitely go yeah, check yeah, it definitely. out. I don't think that the, the show would take it. Who's serious oh, and go? No. He's got a point. Let's just do this <laughs> because I, if you you want to sign the death nail for Doctor Who with some certain fans, that'll be it. Oh right yeah. There. <laughs> well, and as far as things not matching up, it is a time travel show, and as they've shown us, they can change time. So that's kind of how anything I have that doesn't match up in my head. Well, time was changed at some point. I may not have seen it. But it happened. The timeline skewed into this tangent. <laughs> yeah, so 1985. All right. Created an alternate 1985. Sorry. We, I jumped right into the middle of feedback <laughs> doing that. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was what I've been trying to remember. That's okay. We, we already tangented earlier with Star Wars during feedback. So. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I, have to, I have to snag that clip now and create a promo for us because that's pretty much us. <laughs> On that blackboard, Doc Brown, really? <laughs> that's the podcast right there. At that's... some point, the timeline skews into an alternate 1985. We just yeah, need to recreate, recreate it. it and replace the words. The conversation skews into. Okay. <laughs> and we'll just reshoot the whole we'll just, thing. Let's just, yeah, let's do that. We'll reshoot it. Coming up with our own explanation of the tangency can, can, on the Glenn, podcast. Can you give me an, a, a newspaper that'll change, <laughs> change when, I, <laughs> when I do that? I didn't come till the end of the movie, though. No, well, yeah, yeah it did. Because he, had, he has the alternate, it. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, we don't need that. We just need a paper. <laughs> a 1985 in which your father is dead, and this happens <laughs> to, to me. me. <laughs> sure, Doc, that's worse than his dad being dead. <laughs> On my birthday. <laughs> and your birthday. On my actual date of birth is George McFly's. Creepy Willie's. <laughs> <clears throat> of all the tombstones I could obliterate, that would be the one. <laughs> do we have more feedback? We do have more feedback. Chrissy sent in some feedback. She said, Killers Salt Shakers. That should be the name <laughs> of a band. Dear Vortex Boys, Sean, if you really want to be a bridesmaid so much, you can certainly take my place at my brother's wedding this July. Chrissy, I am a uh, professional bridesmaid, and uh, <laughs> as, as such, I have a contract um, that uh, you can peruse and sign uh, <laughs> on the website. I'm very good at it. Are you a wedding ringer? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, should... I think it was after your wedding, because I, I had so many that I was doing that uh, 
Well, yeah. I, I did. I, I was I was working, so I didn't I didn't wear my tux. But I, I think it was at yours that I joked about it that I had done so many that I was in <laughs> that I was just going to go buy my own tux because yeah. it would have been cheaper. <laughs> I do remember that to yeah. to, to have it and, on standby. It would have been cheaper for your own weddings that you've had a few of as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow, went there tonight. Okay. <laughs> Chrissy continues. He's really irate about this <laughs> ET discussion, isn't he? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just mad you spoiled the. <laughs> I did. <laughs> it's your own fault when it's been months since that aired. Really? I, well, since the finale. Uh, yeah, I just which spurs the. I, I I know now. Oh, in, so that's the spoiler. In thanks. Today's well, thanks for pinning that day down. and age. I know that if I haven't seen something near upon the heels of its airing, that I just have to accept the fact that I'm going to be spoiled on it. You can't stay away from it for long. <laughs> How and why are completely different things, though. You can know something in the context is so important. Yeah. Anyways, Chrissy continues. <laughs> And just in case people were confused from the vortex from the boys' comments last week, I got a jokey marriage proposal from someone on my on one of my posts on the website I write for my in my day job. Some guy clearly agreeing with me on my opinion on something I was writing about that day, and that was the way he expressed his agreement. It was very flattering and cute, but one hundred percent not serious at all, and I joked about it on Facebook. But that same day my brother proposed to his now fiance, so it was kind of a strange serendipity going on. To which we reply, oh, sure, Chrissy, go ahead and play it off, but we know. <laughs> we know. We, you think we don't know what goes on in the life of our number one fan. Uh, she continues, all righty, the Daleks without Davros. Interesting choice of topic, boys. I think this will be quite entertaining. Hopefully I can contribute something worthwhile to the discussion. Over the years, we've had things like the Emperor Dalek, Special Weapons Dalek, Dalek Khan, Black Dalek, and probably some others that I'm forgetting. So clearly the Daleks have had some sort of hierarchy amongst themselves without Davros. They've also had their own plots to take over the planets and the galaxy, some more sinister than others. As much as I do like Daleks in Manhattan, the pig slaves are a little much. So I don't think they depend on Davros for leadership and guidance as much as Davros thinks they do. They certainly can come up with their own villainous plans on their own, and they can execute them more or less without much trouble. How they do it with a plunger and an egg whisk is another question <laughs> entirely. And it's one of those mysteries like Big Fett, the Loch Ness Monster, and the Shooter on the Grassy Knoll. I also think that there are tons of different groups of Daleks across the universe, all doing their own thing. That's why the Doctor can encounter a bunch of Daleks and destroy them totally, but then finds more somewhere else doing evil things. Just a theory. Probably not even within the scope of this discussion, but I'm bringing it up anyways. <laughs> That's kind of my takeaway from all, with all this. I will probably have more to say about the Davros about Davros next week. Spoilers, I'm listening ahead to Big Finish Stories. I Davros, just for fun. Hopefully, I will be done with that by next week and can give some insight for the, from that story as well. I'll try to stay as spoiler-free as possible. That's all from this week. Have a great one, and I'll talk to you next week. Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. And that's it for feedback. Well, shall we uh, kick this pig? Sure. Pig slave. (laughs) (laughs) 
apt choice of words there. That's not very nice, Sean. You shouldn't pick kick pigs. It, it, it it's not an, their fault. It's an expression harkening back to the submarine joke from earlier. <laughs> pig, pig boat. Which you, you would have seen us on uh, Periscope pre-show. You know where but you're if you about. want to go there with it, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, what do we think? I mean, we just got done watching the most, you know, iconic introduction of of okay. re- reintroduction of a character, I guess. <laughs> Which that brought up. I, I, okay, so follow me through on this for just a moment. So, we look at Genesis and go, ah, oh, because it's so awesome. I wonder, and I had this thought while we were watching it, are there long-term Doctor Who fans, like people who grew up with it from day one, who were absorbed and invested and Hartnell and just da-da-da-da-da, who got to Genesis and went, what are you doing? You're remaking the whole story. You can't do that. This is Who is this guy? And is there... I mean, Part I've, of me has that. I've never heard that backlash in, within fandom. And maybe it's because Genesis is just so good that it eventually wins them over. But I wonder if there is like a small pocket group of people that are like there, there is down a, with the revision and this is the original history. Um, and speaking of continuity, and that's <laughs> just it. Speaking of continuity, that is always one of the things that has been very hard to rectify within the continuity is the fact that you know, which makes what makes it even worse is that Terry Malloy comes. Uh, Terry Malloy, no, um, Michael Wisher. <laughs> Thank you. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm getting the actor, the uh, Terrence. Uh, oh, um, uh, not Terrence. Ter- no. Terry Nation. Terry, Terry Nation. Nation. Too many T's. Writes <laughs> several Dalek stories in the 1960s, and 1970s. And Didn't he write all of around, them up to this? Not all of them. I think he he wrote part <laughs> of the majority of them. He wrote, he yeah, wrote he wrote part sure. of he wrote part of Dalek Master Plan, and that was taken over by uh, David. Can't remember his last name, and I believe. Frontier in Space, and what was that? What was that? Dalek, the Planet of the Daleks. Those Planet weren't. Daleks. I don't believe. I, I, I may be misspeaking here, but there were a few Dalek stories in the 1960s that weren't written. But the, oh. for the most part, the majority of them were. That doesn't matter. What I'm, my point <laughs> is, he creates the Daleks. He sets up a history that he adheres to somewhat throughout his telling of the Dalek stories and then turns around and reinvents their history and contradicts a lot of things that are set forth in the Daleks. Yeah. And so this is the man that wrote the Dalek stories and he's contradicting himself. So within fan community, it's very difficult for people to rectify and say, well, no, that, that can't have happened when you've got the actual creator and author saying, <laughs> no, this is really what happened. So yeah. there, is a, there is a lot of contradiction there. And there, there are people in fandom that do call that out. Now, from a perspective of somebody that grew up with the show and had been watching it since the 1960s and continued to watch it in the 1970s, or yeah, 1970s when Genesis of the Dalek comes around and it reinvents the, it retells the Genesis of the Daleks. Um, it is quite. I don't. I don't know that there. I don't know that I know of or have heard of anybody going. Oh no no. This is this isn't right. This isn't work. You know. Blah blah blah. So because my perspective well, is from people that are my age that kind of right. started with Doctor Who. There's just a few that. that, that well, and, and at the time in the seventies and sixties, continuity wasn't as important. They didn't have the internet to oh, go and cross, right. cross check to make sure that this is on the up. But and these up weren't and even necessarily in You're reruns going at this through, time. Yeah. So you you're going through. We're going based on only. memory. Yeah. So it wasn't really until the advent of VHS when all this stuff started coming out and people were able to revisit 
episodes of Doctor Who that they hadn't seen in years and then realizing, oh, wait a minute, this doesn't quite gel with what we learned in the Because when this Target novelization started, I know they started in the 70s at some point. Yeah, but, but they, that, that they skipped the around. Yeah. They didn't come so out you as get the everything, so. Just for the record, the Daleks, the Dalek Invasion of Earth, the Chase, Mission of the Unknown, the Daleks Master Plan, at least episodes one through five and seven, and then Planet of the Daleks. Planet was written by. So it skips all the way to the yeah, third okay. Doctor. So there's some in the middle there that. So yeah. power, power, power being one of them that's evil. not his. Um, and then Death to the Daleks, Genesis, yeah. okay. and Destiny. I knew there was uh, there was a handful in there that was written by others. Obviously, uh, Terry Nation would have given his blessing sure. because he did well, own yeah. the rights to the Daleks. Which in Planet of the Daleks was the one that the Thals come back, isn't it? Yes. yes. Uh-huh. So that makes sense why they're back there. I do struggle with trying to make the timeline fit in my head for this particular. And it wasn't until rewatching Genesis, probably this is my fourth or fifth time now. And I kind of come to the con- came to the conclusion that well maybe it was the fact that the doctor came- went back in time, that the time lord sent him back, diverted it to it. He changed time somewhere in that. In that, just the very fact that they sent him back is, yeah, is what kicked Genesis, off this different which changed the Dalek storyline fundamentally. That there was this pre-set history, and then we do get time changed, and it moves on and thusly. You know, in fairness. I, I think it could still work in, in, in my head canon be, 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 because the Daleks are already a thing in the Daleks. They're already there yeah. living in this I mean, city the, and the all this kind of stuff. It's post-Wasteland. It's many, many years Right. Later. So yeah. so going back to this earlier point that the, the, the Force Doctor arrives and has Davros and all this kind of stuff and then interferes with their intervention, whatever um, – and then leaves. We don't know how much time passes between the well, end of that story, leading and up to. There's a really to, great argument to the fact that they think they they think they killed Davros, and then obviously they they go find him for Destiny. Yeah. So obviously Destiny is set in the Dalek timeline much much later. Much later. Yeah. So yes, uh, yes. you can kind of make that work also thinking that da- they think Davros isn't around. They think they've defeated him when they really haven't. So I mean, there's that aspect to it that will work. So, I've been I've been struggling with but this. See, the, 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 I think that uh, let me go back to this. I think the problem is in the Daleks. The Daleks themselves present an origin story that is not drastically different, but, but somewhat different, different enough. Some of the some of the key issues are the fact that the Daleks refer to, the Daleks refer to themselves as a former race called the Dolls. There were yeah. the Thals and the Dolls, and there was this epic war. So at some point in the lineage of the how many ever years have passed, they've either gotten the story wrong or, as we know, Malloy just retroactively fixed saying, well, they just misremembered it or history is incorrect or something like that. that, 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 That's one of those – Which is okay. I can can write that off. But that's just it. We – that that's exactly right there. That's what you guys just did is exactly why I don't think you can do away with continuity. Because even even as a Doctor Who fan, you're going to in your head fix things that that are are incorrectly told or mistold or it's, it's, you know, it goes well, right that, that's, that's my own yeah, personal. I, I completely agree. You know, continuity yeah. is that, that, that this is set well before this, well, and that the Daleks there there's some sort of corrupt memory. 
that's being passed down that, that, you know, something happened after they eliminated or think they eliminated Davros that has then led to this eons down the line that they are, their own history is, has been corrupted, that they don't know where they came from, but this is what they think they know. And it's being passed down as, you know, quote unquote gospel. Well, interestingly enough, that is a consensus among fans. So that is not something that you necessarily even have to do in your own head because I think there's a consensus of fans that say that. And I think there are some stories that have been written that aren't television stories that have fixed that continuity with him. They've taken it upon themselves (laughs) to kind of do that as well. And I think that the the, the consensus of the fans is they sort of adhere to that idea that that, that that's how that works. At any rate, I've been struggling with this all week thinking that this is what we're going to be talking about this week is, is, is are they better off without Davros? And I love Davros. I love the character. I love the characterizations. I love the guys that play him. I love every iteration of him that we get. I just, even though, you know, to to kind of quote the doctor, you wouldn't know what to do with the universe other than shout at it. And and he, he, (laughs) he does very much fall into that megalomaniac role. I love him. And so I want to build a case for how, no, they absolutely need this guy. Well, I think there is a strong argument for that, considering the fact that once Davros is created by Terry Nation, 90%, well... All of them. All of the stories in the classic era... Yeah. ...is them either fighting Davros, or the very next story we have Daleks is them trying to get Davros back in order to help them win. It wasn't until the ninth Doctor story, Dalek... That we did that not we have. Didn't, that we yeah. had a Dalek story that did not involve Davros. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's a really strong argument, the fact that in the beginning they're trying to get him back to help him, help them, help them become better and evolve. And then they, then he winds up setting up his own faction. So that's a completely different kind yeah. of topic. So it's But no, Elsie, that's, this, is where I, this is where I went with it because I was, I was, I was building this case for Davros. That no, absolutely not. That the Daleks are not better off with that. See, destiny is destiny is a good example of and and destiny is is kind of the key that that, that they run into the Movellans and are like, uh, so okay, we need to find the ironic thing about that is that they find out that they're too perfect. Like they find they're they're, that they they don't have that strategic element. They have the they can plan a battle. And continue with they a stalemate every time, yeah. and they don't have the exactly innovation, and so they say, "Okay, we have to bring Davros back because he at least will have that human innovation that may give us the upper hand." Sorry, go ahead. Which I don't think is in 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 Dalek logic. I don't think it's necessarily the innovation. I think it's that they're seeking a flaw. I think they're seeking something that they would consider because we're superior. We don't need anybody else. But I think they're seeking that element that introducing a flaw. <laughs> into the master plan will then suddenly give them a, a, at least a different tactical outcome. Yes. Even if it's a loss, right. <laughs> at least it's not a stalemate anymore. And we can learn from that, you know, so the, at this point they, they don't have anything to lose, but in constructing that argument for why Davros is so important, I suddenly went further on in the timeline, as he said that, you know, you look at, uh, the first R, uh, <laughs> the Peter Davison one, Res- that resurrection, resurrection, Yes. It goes resurrection, revelation, revelation, revelation. and then remembrance. Why is revelation so hard for me to remember? Well, I don't know. 
<laughs> I mean, the whole episode is kind of it's the whole thing is a revelation, church based. So, revelation <laughs> like the Bible, I should be able to remember that. It's but. revealed that Davros is still alive. Then it's revealed that the people are food. Then it's revealed that Davros <laughs> isn't really dead, isn't a in a jar, or whatever. <laughs> There's a lot of revelations I know, in it, but for some reason, it's like uh, anyway. Um, so we we get into oh, those it things. Would make more sense that resurrection of the Daleks would be the. Sixth Doctor Strike because it takes place on the Morgue planet. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> zombie dialogues are scary. Um, so, so in, in going for it and, and, and going further with this, you okay? Well, he does wind up kind of creating dissent. He's got Daleks that are loyal to him and Daleks that are not, and it starts with Resurrection, where he specifically. Um, where he puts the little thing on him and you know, he's, he's encoding them to be basically subservient to him because he's been through this before. He knows they're going to turn on him eventually. <laughs> he, he did at least wise up a little bit. Um, but then, you know, he gets a faction and there's an actual Dalek civil war that, that, that yeah. is implied is happening. And then we get to remembrance where he is now emperor of the Daleks, at least his faction of them, mm-hmm. but they're still considered renegades. So I, the more I thought about it, the more I kind of thought, Mm, I don't you know. But then you jump to the Time War and they bring Davros back again to help them fight. So it's kind of, they think they're better off without him, but I think ultimately they need him. I think it's one of those kind of catch-22s of they think they're better than needing this leader of Davros, and it turns out they're not really. I've always got the impression that in uh, The Stolen Earth, that in Journey's End, that it's almost the same situation as it is in Destiny of the Daleks. It's, it's, it's almost that – I mean the, the Daleks had gone through several iterations. They had created the yeah. cult of Scarrow. And the cult of Scarrow, their job was to introduce chaos into a plan. To think, to outside, think the box. outside the box. And to actually have Daleks with forward thinking and emotions to be more like in Davros. order to be more like Davros. And I think that they find that that doesn't necessarily work. And so they go all the way and they say, okay, well, you know – this worked once before. We brought, we tried to resurrect Davros in order to thwart the Mavellans. We now we're fighting our ultimate enemies, as I think arguably you could say the Time Lords are. I think at that point they say, okay, well we need to bring Davros back at that time. But I think that's the only two times, in my opinion, that the Daleks really feel they need Davros. That's mm-hmm. really the only two situations where I think they feel like they need because they're they're hunting him down and trying to capture him in remembrance of the Daleks because. He's on the other side. He has this mm-hmm. impure faction of Daleks that he has created that he's, you know, basically trying to create his own faction and, and overthrow his original creation in order to start afresh for him. So, I mean, that ultimately, there's only really two times that in the TV stories that I think that the Daleks really get to the point where they feel they need Davros. I think, and that all says something these, that both of those instances are okay. The ultimate enemy of the Time Lords, yeah, yeah, and this, this other epic stalemate. The, this, yeah, that you know, not necessarily even the ultimate enemy. Just we, we, we an intellectual we, equal. We can't outthink them. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that to answer the question, because the Daleks. Now, granted, let's, let's put aside the fact that the Daleks have been thwarted by the Doctor. Many times. <laughs> many, many times. In fact, we're at the point where the, the Daleks' MO is not really 
universal domination. Their their mo is to be you know thwarted by the duck. <laughs> but in in reality, when you look at the number of Dalek stories, and part of this out there is because we have so many Dalek stories leading up to Genesis Daleks, and then we don't have anything on television besides that until after Dalek, and then we trundle into a bunch of new Dalek stories at that point as well. There's a lot of occasions where, while thwarted by the Doctor, the Daleks do return. They we, 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 we understand from Big Finish that we've listened to. We understand from television stories and, and, and conversations that we hear from the Doctor and stories recounted that the Daleks are the, you know, the ultimate evil. They have been taking over many, many, many sectors of the universe, even so much so that the Doctor, at the point that he re-encounters Daleks, the Daleks have already wiped out hundreds of worlds, thousands of worlds. So they did all of that at most of the time. If you, if you can glean that from what we know about their history and their history with Davros, the majority of that has been done without Davros. So in my opinion, I think until you get to those stalemate points, like the war with the Movellans and the war with the Time Lords, those are really the only two times that I think the Daleks come down on the side of, yeah, okay, we, we, we need Davros this time. For every other instance that we have Daleks, Invasion of Earth, uh, Daleks Master Plan. Now, they, they don't. it's not above them to use other uh, races or other people or other villains in order to further their plan. Because you know, Mavic Chin is a, a huge piece of their plan in the Daleks Master Plan. And a lot of times it's simply, even though they don't really have the ingenuity for... But I think they have. I think they have the ingenuity for st- strategy. They just don't have that element of what did you say? Um, ingenuity. Ingen- well, that's what I said. But it is. But now I, I'm second guessing. It, it was insight or um, um, inspiration. What was the, it? Was an I word? Yeah, uh, they don't necessarily have that. Innovation. Innovation. Huh? Innovation. Innovation. Nah. They just don't have that human element that they need <laughs> sometimes. And, but they look elsewhere for that. And so they don't necessarily need Davros because when they're using people like Maverick Chin or their – I mean and, and, and that entire federation that they gathered. I, I know I'm going on a lot more information that I know that you guys don't know about um, the Dalek Master Plan. But when they're utilizing other entities – Well, they're always at the top of the food chain. They are. Uh, whether, yeah, whether, yeah. It's the, whether it's the Ogrons or the Pig Slaves – or the master, or whoever is is you know being duped into working for the Daleks. You're working for the Daleks. That's that's the ultimate thing is that they are in charge and they know this. Even in Engines of War, when they take over that one planet, oh yeah, they keep the uh, she was an empress, uh, the the prime minister around and use her as a tool because a lot of times Blood of the Daleks is another example when they come in. They have to use that authority that's there in order to convince the masses before they can really amass and become, you know, over so be able to overthrow. So a lot of times they're using those pawns and those elements in those situations as well. And as you alluded to, they're using slave races like Ogrons and Pigmen and Robomen and yeah, they've got so many tools at their disposal that I think Davros is always seems to be. I think Davros almost seems to be more of a thorn in their side sometimes because when he does return, you know, Genesis obviously is its own anomaly because if we subscribe to the story that Davros is the one that engineers the Daleks, I got to be careful because I can't go too far into what we'll discuss next week. But if you use the idea that Davros is the engineer of the Daleks, then he really is just their starting point. That's all that he is. And with the exception of the few times that he's tried to bring him back, they've tried to bring him back. 
it's it's always he's always seems to be a thorn in their side. Resurrection when he's trying to you know reinstate them as his under his control. Uh, Revelation where he's building a, a a he's building a faction against you know the, the Daleks now that he doesn't like and he wants to yeah. have his own group again. Remember it's same same mo. Well, that's the thing is that if 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 he's a thorn in the side because he does he he creates not counting Genesis from that moment forward. He basically winds up causing dissension in the ranks among, you know, the Dalek army. That he's he is a disruptive influence. That he's basically diverting resources that they could be using to conquer planets to fight amongst themselves. That we've got whole, you know, in my I, I, we've never seen it, but I imagine there are whole Dalek fleets battling it out. <laughs> that these are renegade Daleks. I mean, it's Star Wars. These are renegade Daleks, and these are you know the you know. There's a reason why the. One Daleks are white and the others are black. Yeah. <laughs> it's gray. I mean, it's 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 a black and white issue. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, well, you guys are you guys are impure. We're we're with Davros. He's the creator. He's the no this and and we see that frequently even the in the um um well the, you mentioned blood of the Daleks um uh-huh. that that you know oh you are the impure Daleks right you're, right you're a subset yeah, exactly so the the Daleks themselves kind of consider any variation on a theme. Not, not, not to be the true thing, which is an interesting when you get up to victory of the Daleks and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're going to give up everything to create this new ideal pure. <laughs> well, that, that well, was also because they had degraded themselves. They've compromised that pure. But yeah. even the new pure Daleks are using that original genome from the very beginning. And while they're created anew, they're created from that core substance that, that, that Davros started from the first place. And that's why they were waiting because they were, you're right, they were so, you know, uh, big melting pot of just everything because we, I mean, we, we had, had to adapt, had to adapt and, and yeah. change and everything. So the, the idea was to go back to and create the paradigm Daleks, which was going to bring back that whole purity by valid, and they even had to validate it by tricking the doctor into voice validating the fact that, yeah, this is the pure, pure breed of Dalek. And so it was kind of a reboot for the Daleks yeah. is, in, essentially is what it is. So. But here's the interesting thing now that we've, we've, we've opened this can of worms is, so if Davros is a disruptive influence throughout most of his tenure with, uh, you know, these entities, I think the argument can be made, well, he's not, they're better off without him. And yet he, by being the creator, has that original genome, that original thing, which they eventually want to get back to. They pull him out of storage when, okay, we've hit the time war and we can't do it. We've hit the Movellans and we can't advance. He's the ace in the hole. They keep going back to Davros to pull him out and, and do something with him to help them defeat this. And Chrissy, I thought, brought up a great point that we've had Dalek Emperor, we've had Supreme yeah, Dalek. We've had a, can live up there is certainly a hierarchy within the Daleks. How much of that yeah. is in, in itself. a genetic need within the Daleks to fill the hole that he's, the vacuum that he's that's, left. That's an excellent I mean, point, he, Sean. Because the Daleks pretty much are, 90% of them are a drone race. They just that's go and exactly do what they're right. supposed to do. That's exactly they follow right. the and orders. They do, they will follow a, whoever the appointed leader is, they will follow them to the death. That has always been in the construct of, of, of the Daleks, uh, the, 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 um, uh, the, the race of the Daleks is always to follow the Supreme Leader. You, you answer to command without questioning yeah. every time. 
And so you're right. That's a, that's an excellent point that you've brought up. That if they don't necessarily need Davros, they still need that hierarchy or a structure they of command. They still like feel like they need something. that. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So now this begs the question: Having just come off the end of Genesis, and uh, uh, Davros is there, and he's talking about this, and he looks over and he says, "Well, the production lines have started. I didn't give the order." And one random drone Dalek says, "I gave the order." Okay, so did we just witness the birth of the first Dalek Supreme at that moment? Likely. Or is he just following the simple programming of, hey, you told us to go out in the universe, kill everything that's not us, and survive. The logical step, one, in survival is make more. The yep. machinery's already set. Let's go. You know, that's, I'm, just, I'm just doing what you, you told me to do. The answer to that do. question is both. Because as soon as you meet the prime directive – then you immediately fall back on, we need a leader. We need somebody that can run. And I think you're exactly right. I think that is the, the, that's the first coup with, to follow, followed by many coups <laughs> with, <laughs> within the, the uh, Dalek uh, structure. And I think what ultimately happens is you not only, by following that prime directive, you create the necessity for leadership. And we've heard a number of times, especially in Big Finish, where I think, if I'm remembering right, what was the one where the doctor goes to return the library book? <laughs> what was that? It was one of the Dalek uh, Empire. Gen- genocide Machine. No. No, that was the Sixth Doctor one. It was no, the Seventh Doctor No, it was the Seventh Doctor, doctor with, yes. the, with, the, with the water droplets. That, um, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, you know machine. what I'm talking about. Was that Genocide Machine? Yeah. No, I thought uh, that you're thinking of Apocalypse Element. Oh, I was thinking of Apocalypse It, it is Genocide, okay. isn't it? It's I something so. G-Machine. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's Genocide Machine. So even in that one, I think, if I'm remembering the story right, was alluded to that once the Supreme Dalek in that story was destroyed, another immediately took its place. So there's already a I mean you've got to have a a, a a a structure tree there as well where there is some there is a Dalek that knows that he becomes commander at that point of of the of the fleets. And so I think ultimately the answer to your question is there's both. Once you once you've eradicated that need for purity, then you suddenly have that need for command. So I think they I think it goes hand in hand. And I think I, I I'm still going back to your your point which I'm just it just, just kind of has blown my mind is the <laughs> idea that I was all along supporting the idea well they have their own hierarchy they have their own structure and for so many years and for so many galaxies they've done fine on their own without Davros. But really he planted that seed of of command of structure so ultimately if they had just kept him around <laughs> They probably would have been better off because when you get to the point where you come up against a construct like the Movellans or, or an enemy like the Movellans, then you've still got Daros in place. You have no need to go resurrect him. You've already – if that is in fact the necessity in order to destroy the Movellans, although we, we don't know because the doctor stepped in and kind of stopped that in the first place. But if that is the necessity in order to defeat that battle or that, that war, then Daros is already in place. And it proceeds as necessary. So, and you would never reach a stalemate. You theory. would never reach a stalemate if, in fact, Davros is that key. Yeah, we we're just presuming there. Then you would. You're right. You would just continue to march on. Unfortunately, to the Daleks' demise, they go to that prime directive first, and that's to wipe out anything that is not a Dalek and is impure in in their eyes. 
you know, go out and destroy. You gave me that command. So it's catch-22 for Davros is you've implemented this go out and destroy and nothing Dalek should – nothing non-Dalek should remain. But oops, <laughs> I'm, I'm non- the leader but I'm non-Dalek. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I like – that's that's a fascinating perspective there, Sean. I like that. Well, and with a, with a completely drone race, you have to have somebody to direct the drones. And command the drones. So it makes sense that somebody has to fill that Davros role. Otherwise, they would all be waiting for the production lines to start or waiting for their commands to do whatever they needed. So I think I think it was something that Davros also coded into their DNA, that they need some sort of leader. It just, on the surface, he wasn't the leader they needed because he wasn't a Dalek. I just think it's it, it just dawned on me that We'll call him Dalek Bob as a call out to we'll, – we'll give Moose credit for this. <laughs> Why not? But just the, you know, drone X5 suddenly steps up and says, okay, we, we've killed the scientists. we got this crazy wheelchair guy here. we got – what do we need to do here? Nobody else is really stepping up to the plate. Okay, I'll do it. Just the, the I, I don't know why, but just the thought of that internally happening, you know, is such a that to me is almost a whole show in and of itself. <laughs> that, 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 that this moment it could be. I agree with you. I think it, I think da, it, it would make sense as forward think as Davros was that there would need to be a battle commander and a strategist and a this and a, the, 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 well, there's, think, there's some sort of hierarchy. Also, why that, he's able to be caught by surprise of. He imp- uh, programmed this hierarchy and has assumed he would be at the top because he's a megalomaniac. Right. But the fact that somebody else could replace him never crossed his mind, and that's how he can be delete- defeated in Genesis. Yeah. And the, 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 you know, and I love the fact that his, his automatic defenses will show mercy or pity, and they're like, <coughs> uh, you didn't program us with that. We don't got that. Don't, don't have any. But just the idea that this thing just spontaneously said, okay, let's go. <laughs> and started that wheel turning that you know the, the moment Skynet became self-aware <laughs> it's kind of just right there in that in that moment but here's the here's the flip side of this going back to because I love Davros so much his only thrust later is to almost get back and punish <laughs> them for throwing him out of paradise, you know, the, you know, being cast down. And so it's it's never necessarily about completing the mission. From from that moment, on, from from destiny on, well, actually, no, I can't even say from destiny on, because he, he's, he's quite content to take over and help them fight the Movellans. But from that moment beyond that, it's always infighting and, and civil war and, yeah. and getting back and, and proving that his Daleks are more superior than the superior Daleks that are out there. So it's not necessarily about reigning supreme and taking over and look at how great my Daleks are. It's my Daleks are better than you guys. And so it becomes a personal grudge match for Davros. So that kind of goes back now to the, they're really, really better off without him because it's not about him making them better. It's about him proving that you needed me to begin with. And it's it's such a personalized. I don't think I'm saying this very well, but it, well, you know. no, no, no. But, but no. there's also the argument that had they kept him, 
they wouldn't have this problem to begin with. Had they not gotten too big for their own britches, they wouldn't have this infighting. They wouldn't, Davros wouldn't be trying to prove that his Daleks are better than these other Daleks because they would still be his Daleks. Okay, that's a valid point. I, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm treading carefully here because I have listened to our next bit of homework, <laughs> and I don't know how much of you guys have. I have not, I have not yet. started yet. Um, and I think a lot of things, I think some enlightenment will bring some things to the table next week. But what I can say about Davros without saying does Davros need the Daleks because that's next week's discussion. But I think ultimately with Davros, because we've walked into that territory, I think you're right in the sense that there is – Davros always trying to regain that power. But I've never necessarily seen it. As, I think ultimately it becomes the grudge match because you're up against your original creation. But I think ultimately, I think Davros's MO is supreme power. He's, he, he's looking for power no matter who he rules over. He just knows his creation so well, well that he knows that that's the high, that's that's who he needs to be lord over again at some point, whether it be a new creation or whether it be the originals. Which I think that's why he's willing to go fight the Movellans with the Daleks in Destiny, because he's suddenly being thrust upon the throne again of the Daleks. He's suddenly getting that power, so it's not like he's holding anything. He might be holding something against them in Destiny. But he's more than willing to step into that leadership role once again without any ill will towards their attempting to kill him in the first place. And so I think at some point between that and resurrection where we realize that the Daleks have – okay, we've used Davros to our purpose – so he's really kind of regaled, or, uh, regulated back to being a scientific advisor, which is what he is within the hierarchy of the, the college at that point. And so he's trying to regain he, – he then again is struggling to regain power of the Daleks again in resurrection. And that's why he's trying, you know, trying to put the thing on so he can take them back over because he at this point now has fallen. He's no longer – Leader, he's no longer we somebody that needs to help defeat the Movellans. He's now a tool for the Daleks, and so they've shoved him back down to well, we don't necessarily need you anymore. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, isn't there even a line in Stolen Earth Journey's End when he uh, takes the the jacket off and reveals that he's used his own body as the the DNA vat for for the new batch, and that's why they're loyal to him, right? If they can't be turned, doesn't he have a line of dialogue there that kind of specifies that that won't happen again? Yes, at the same time, he's still been locked in the belly of the ship and is being lorded over by the – was it the Emperor or was it the Supreme Dalek? It was Dalek Khan at that point. No, no, it? Dalek no. Khan is – his accomplice, He was using much. Dalek Khan because Dalek Khan had predicted that he would – Rise to power again, okay. but the Dalek. Remember, because uh, that's the right, doctor yeah. makes that comment, "You're a prisoner in your own empire," yeah, or something to that extent. And he realizes that the Daleks are still in control, and that Davros is really kind of having to work in the shadows. This is the, the, the whole. Um, what was the, the the bomb? What was the the reality, the reality bomb? bomb. <laughs> the reality bomb is very much him kind of working in the networks 
convincing the Daleks that they're in charge, but ultimately he and Khan are trying to or are sort of working. Well, he finds out later, obviously. Spoilers if you haven't seen it. <laughs> that, that Dalek Khan was not working with him at all. He was setting him up. But he he thinks, at least in his perspective, that he's subvertly working beneath the or you know within the Daleks in order to regain that power again by using this reality bomb wiping everything out. So. Um, so he's still a prisoner at that time. He's still not ahead of the Daleks. They plucked him out of somewhere, brought him into the Time War, and when things were going south and the Doctor was about to unleash the moment, Dalek Khan rescued him and rolled him out that's of right. through the okay. through the yeah. uh, time lock. And that's why Dalek Khan goes insane because he saw all of time and space and he could see everything that he basically got TARDIS powers. He could see everything that was going to unfold in any any. He played it out to the end. He played his card to the end. That that was that was what I remember of that. So, so even there, it doesn't necessarily even. He never really gets back. That 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 is why at some point between resurrection and remembrance, he has created this new breed of Daleks, and they have they have been this in fighting in a civil war, and those that are loyal to him stay with him, and those who are not are fighting against him. And but the idea there isn't necessarily I'm getting back to me. Isn't I'm getting back at my my creation. It's more of a, I just need to be on top. That's why I've created these. And if it means wiping out everybody that doesn't fall in line, that's what we're going to do. You know, this, this was my original vision. I've had to go down a different path in order to achieve that vision. But this is my ultimate, uh, you know, my, this is my ultimate everything I have to be is power and ahead and wipe everything else out. No, I never thought about this until we started this, but in Remembrance, he shows up as the Dalek Emperor, which we don't know. It's just a new design Dalek with a big domed head. And then we get that great reveal. The thing flips open and he's inside the suit. Now, my headcanon's always been, well, he's continuing to evolve and, and you know, or de-evolve, you know, that he's almost just kind of becoming a Dalek himself. How much of that is a disguise? Oh, I think the majority of it is. Oh, How much so. of that is yeah. just that he, he he's in charge and look at me? Yeah, I've got my faction and my my boys here and they're with me, but I'm still myself. I'm still terrified of them. So I'm going to put well, this vizier <laughs> on. How, so that they, they might how, not follow me if they know it's really maybe, exactly. Maybe how thought. best to get on top than to disguise myself to be, as something you know, something that you're used to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe there's a thought protection helmet in here so that they can't. You know, <laughs> this is my only, it's soundproof, you know, I don't know. That was suddenly just like, oh, there's a whole little mobile headquarters inside the thing. I never thought about that. I don't know. Certainly. No, I, I, think, you're, <laughs> yeah. I think you're on the, yeah. long, right, on the same line. I was just reading. Now, you've seen the, re, the, the reconstructions of evil of the Daleks. Yes, I have. Okay. I, I just happen to have this pulled up on Wiki. I've got the whole Dalek history here, and I had no idea that's what this story was about. Slight spoilers ahead, Keith. Okay. But apparently, it's it's an attempt to do evolution of the Daleks. Um, the Daleks. Wait, did you say evil or power? Yeah, evil. Oh, I have not seen evil. I'm You've sorry. Not seen evil. No, I have not seen evil. Well, then do you want me to go into this? Yeah. Why okay. Not? I I know fine details about evil. Just because I love the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're, they're working on a more advanced time travel technology. And the Daleks wanted humanized Daleks. Yes. And forced that. the second doctor to implant the human factor into three Daleks. 
This would also identify the Dalek factor, which they would then spread through Earth's history and prevent the Great War from happening, so World War I. However, the second Doctor encouraged the three humanized Daleks, Alpha, Beta, and Omega, to defend themselves. And fearful of the implications, the Emperor then ordered many Daleks through this archway, which would uh, reimplant the Dalek factor. But the Doctor had switched it so that the Daleks, everybody that ran through the archway, suddenly became a humanized version hmm. of the Daleks. A conflict arose between the normal and humanized Daleks and inevitably broke out across Skaro, apparently ending the Daleks. So we've already had a civil war. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I did not know yeah. th- that this was back there. As far back as the second Doctor's time frame, there was a civil war. Victoria's father was being used in order to, um, well, he was a, his home was a base point. And it was like a transmat between his, the earth and where the dogs were. Maybe Scarrow at that time. I don't know, wherever they were set Well, this this said Scarrow. Yeah, it's probably Scarrow. So, I mean. Obviously, they can fight within themselves. Yeah, now, we've got a, a specific meddling of the yeah. doctor going on in that to kick that war off right. which is always the case yeah um versus them just you know breaking down on right. their own so maybe it doesn't count as a uh, you know I'm, I'm looking for holes to poke in the air because i mean w- without davros without davros the daleks invented time travel for themselves i mean you know Obviously, they, they they made these great technological leaps to you know getting rid of the, the dishes <laughs> and, and and moving into uh, you know other areas and um, atomic bombs and you know um, what else? Uh, I mean, they, 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 we've got the battle fleets. We've got the the uh, what do they call the world destroyers? Basically, where it's an, an entire ship that's designed yes. to take out a planet, and right. you know they did all this without him. So that, to me, is all kind of like, eh, okay, side one for the, you know, you, you mark all these points up for, for things that you were, all, look at all these accomplishments the Daleks did. as you They enslaved hundreds of thousands of races, in, in, at least in... Uh, what was the name of the council that was in uh, the Engines of War? You remember what I'm talking about? They were all blue, and they were a council, and they were essentially... They were the ones trying to capture the, do- the Doctor. Yeah, they wanted right? the Doctor to put him in the, the, the one Dalek yeah, machine. I but don't remember now. They, they were, you get the impression from Engines of War that they, at, at least at this point... Where they had devised this council that were they were kind of running the they, they Dalek were, side of the war. They were the they were the council that was deciding on how things would play out, how things were done. Um, almost Cult of esque. Almost, yeah, but without. So the, a war council. A war council. They were. They, I, I don't remember exactly what they were called, but yeah, they were a war council. And um, uh, taking into account the Sixth Doctor story, the whatever element, apocalypse element, that they wind up taking over a whole other galaxy. Right, right. You know, yeah. That that that's a thing. You know, so it's not a, not a universe, but we got a whole galaxy that's theirs, um, that's fallen. Those are all pretty high marks in their favor, and then I don't know. To, 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 well, isn't it an apocalypse element? The reason they took over the new galaxy is because Scarrow had been destroyed by the seventh Doctor by the uh, hand of Omega. He had he had launched it into their sun, and it had burned out the the planet, and so they basically moved on. Instead of we, we well, it's revealed later the scar was fine, but there's another <laughs> continuity problem. But, um, but I think that was the idea. Was the reason they had moved is because of Hand of Omega, and that's why they had they had basically gone and conquered. Again, I got kind of side with Keith on that sort time of travel. That we don't his, know when that sets. So. Well, it's just that he sort of blames his reading between the lines. He kind of blames his future self. For the destruction of Scarrow because it advanced the Daleks into another region that they basically take over. So they were going to take it over. Yeah, anyway, I, think, I think maybe you're right. 
So I think on the baseline, the Daleks are okay without Davros. They're going and they're defeating galaxies and conquering planets. But it's when the Daleks encounter a formidable enemy is when they need him more than anything else. So it's kind of a sometimes yes, sometimes no. Yeah, I mean, and we're kind of at a disadvantage from the standpoint that at least from, from, from our history, where we're at, we don't know of any, or at least too many, Dalek stories that don't feature the Doctor. Because we're kind of seeing yeah. everything through his eyes. So we know that, well, he shows up here and here and here and here. We've heard stories of other ones. Like if you get into the Absalom Dak or, or you know, things that but even he, I well, suppose, could be even regarded the as of a, stuff the fourth Doctor mentions to uh, Davros in his interrogation. Yeah, a lot of those stuff we hadn't seen. Not so. to mention the TV comics that that had their own Dalek story that was all pre Davros anyway. That it's, they they handily took care of themselves that way. Only when the space security agency was <laughs> their, their only foe, <laughs> let alone the Doctor or the Time Lords. Yeah, but. Um... Siri decided to pay us a visit. Hi, Siri. I didn't even call you. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Siri. She's becoming self-aware. <laughs> Kill her. Kill her now. <laughs> I've seen where this goes. She's going to start the production lines. Did I say something so similar to, hey, Siri? Hey, Siri? Yeah. Oh, I forgot when she's plugged in. If I say, hey, Siri, she will actually activate now. <laughs> I forgot about that. Search turns something up for it. I say, hey, Siri, she will actually activate. Forgot about that. <laughs> I must have said something. Let's, let's ask Siri. <laughs> I must have said something similar. Ask Siri, are the Daleks better off without Davros? Hey, Siri. Are the Daleks better off without Davros? <laughs> I don't think I don't think Sarah's going to help. You, you haven't she thinks we're talking about dogs program. and Deborah. <laughs> you, you haven't programmed Debra. her well. I, I love how Siri continues to prove me right. <laughs> <laughs> no end of happiness with that. I'm not going to lie. Hey Siri, learn Daleks spelled D A L E K S. I'm not sure I understand. Learn, <laughs> learn, Daleks, D-A-L-E-K-S. I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> she can't grasp the concept of a Dalek. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better now. <laughs> what are you doing, manually inputting it, dude? Let's put it this way. The Daleks are better without Surrey. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all better. <laughs> with I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> Clearly. Obviously. Uh, I don't, okay, so, so where do we come down on this? You're, you're, what do you think, Keith? I don't know. I mean, I, just, I, I look at the balance of history. I look at the balance of it the Dalek on, achievements. It depends on your definition of better off without. It depends on what your end goal is. 
Some end goals, they are better out. Oh, you're going to play dollar. semantics now. <laughs> some, t- some end goals, they aren't. It's, it's a little bit of both. I don't know. I, I, I like your comment about... Search. <laughs> I like your comment about uh, if you'd been there all along, maybe they would yeah, have had all the... He wouldn't be the, a thorn that's, in their that's, side. That's, that's a valid... It would be, yeah. You know. And they might have reached further and conquered more. On the other hand, since he wasn't always there, we don't know. He could have held them back. It either I, could have happened. I, I guess maybe that's part of the discussion for the flip side of the coin is you, you, you have somebody like Davros who it wonderfully illustrated in Genesis with the, the, the capsule and yeah. the virus. Is that nuts? <laughs> that, <laughs> and I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. I, that, that, you know, to, to have a vial and to crush it and I put that powder would put me above the, the gods. He's that high on himself. If they never turn on him, and he does wind up, he he does wind up having this this getting there, you know, unstoppable army that is bent to his every whim, and we know he's willing to go the distance from that conversation. Oh yeah. So so I don't know. Maybe that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're, I mean, I don't. We, I can't imagine that Davros holding the Daleks back. Really, I think he would accelerate their goals more than anything else. Well, here's 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 an idea. So we, we we have an alternate universe now, where he wins. They, they he defeats the Fourth Doctor. He has the tape. He knows every bit of history of which they're going to be defeated. And maybe he keeps interrogating him over and over and over and over and over again. And has all, I mean, everything the doctor's aware of up until that point in time is at his fingertips. And he programs all that information into them. How much more deadly do they become at that point? They would pretty much become unstoppable at that point. Because they would then be able to combat any way they could be defeated. Because they would have learned every way up to that, at least that point how they could be defeated. You have to be come up with something completely original and different to stop them in whatever situation. They would have pretty much become un- unstoppable. Okay, so they're unstoppable. Now that we've asked that question, do they still turn on him? Because they're even more unstoppable. They, See, I they're think, even more superior. They're even more supreme than they think they were. I, I think at that point they wouldn't. If they were smart, they wouldn't turn on him until the end. Okay, we've won. We don't need you anymore. And then they get rid of him. Yeah, I think the problem therein lies the fact that they aren't smart. That's the problem is you, you're presuming, well, if they're smart, then they'll – well, they wouldn't have turned on him in the first place if they were smart. That's true. So I think the takeaway from this is, from that question is, thank goodness that the doctor won. <laughs> <laughs> Something else I've never thought about now that we've opened that can of worms is the Movellans. So the Movellans can match them, and they're, 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 they're perfect logic. They're robots. They can fight the Daleks tooth and nail and to fight them to a standstill. But are the Movellans a force for good? Well, we need they're, more stories of the they're, they're kind of amb- They're kind of ambiguous in Destiny, that we don't really get enough of a backstory other than they're a foil for the Daleks. And so, I mean, it, as as the fans were sitting there going, oh, well, this is a good thing. I mean, anything that stops Daleks is a good thing, right? But what else might it try to stop? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, what is their purpose in stopping the Daleks? It's never revealed that 
I, why are they fighting? Or maybe they're maybe they're fighting the Daleks just for the sake of well, we wanted to take over the planet, but they got here first. I mean, you know, possible. Right. Yeah. So, do the Melvellans have a, a creator by the name of you know Mavros, <laughs> who is, is equally maniac? Had the Doctor not been there, would they have had to gone and thaw him out of storage? And- Wouldn't it be Savrod? Savrod, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's another. That's a discussion for another time. What do we do? The Melvellans. We're Melvellan archives now. It was all one story. Well, there might be some big I, finish. <laughs> there's, there's not a right or wrong answer to to this question. I don't think. I just, I, I, I found myself even through the course of this week. Like I said, I was, I built this huge case for Davros and why he was so important. And then it all crumbled under the weight of his ego. <laughs> it went, mm, no, maybe not. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's Davros's biggest downfall. Also, is his ego. Yeah. If he didn't have such a big ego, he probably, he might not have been. Kicked out of the Daleks. Yeah, but if he didn't have such a big ego, he might not have created them to begin with. Mm-hmm. They might have been the the meek and mild mannered travel machine that they wanted. Been travel I'm going to stop us there because I think that is going to lend to our topic for next week. So let's let's end that there, and because if we start talking too much about Davros and his motives, yeah, <laughs> we'll sort of lose what what our focus for next week will be. So this will be continued next week with the. Uh, flip side of the topic which is is Davros better off without the Daleks there you go all right what do we got coming up I can't wait to get into that (laughs) besides the fact that we just said what we have coming up on the schedule what do we have coming up on the schedule well obviously that's our discussion topic for next week Um, oh the Mavellans by the way have only been in (laughs) oh no there's a few things that I think we can do, but they don't prominently. They're just feature. name dropped. <laughs> um, yeah, suggested in this one and claimed by in this one. So, you know, <laughs> no, there's the Mavolans is really the only appearance. Or uh, Destiny is their only appearance. There needs to be a story now called the Mavolans. <laughs> If there was ever a villain to ripe for Moffat to bring back. <laughs> Are they a villain? Well, we don't know. Maybe, maybe that's the, the story that could be tackled. Is I would so love to see the Mavellans come back. My inner fanboy would squeeze so hard <laughs> if the Mavellans came back. And I'm trying to think if there's any remote way possible that you could redesign them to not look like intergalactic reggae band. <laughs> I'm sure you could. They, you and know, yet great and still change somehow. Fan fiction. fiction. <laughs> um, so for Friday night, who next week, uh, we're going to get a little Colin Baker just because we haven't had any while. We're going to do the mysterious planet. Uh, and then, as we said, the flip side of the coin is Davros better off without the Daleks. And we are going to tie that question into an actual review of big finish audio. Number 48 Davros. So you've got till next week to listen to that. The following week, Friday night, who is the animated Infinite Quest? And then we are going to be doing uh, the Titan comic books. And did we decide where we're going to pick it up? Issue I knew, six? Yeah. He knew two hours ago when we started. <laughs> when we started this <laughs> I think we're starting with issue six for both uh, 11 and 10. So issue six for both 11 and 10 up to whatever the current issue is. And uh, we're going to peak our... We're doing no 12. Or... Oh. Whatever 12 we want to do. Okay. Do we want to do 12? I don't know. There's seven issues there, I believe. 
You're the keeper of the schedule. <laughs> I just have Titan Comics on it. <laughs> so right, as far so as I went with We'll it. discuss that off mic, and then we'll update that. And then we, at the very least, we're going to do the, the, the premiere issue of uh, the Ninth Doctor yes, Comics. Yes, yes. At the very least. That, that one I think we're certain on. So we're only going to dip our toe into that lake. Yes. Or river, as, as uh, Eccleston <laughs> would put it. Uh, and then I don't have anything planned after that, so we probably ought to discuss some of that off mic as My well. My plan is to go find a reconstruction of Evil and the Daleks because it's just now occurred to me that may be the only Daleks television story <laughs> I haven't seen. <laughs> At this point, I would think it might be the only story you haven't seen. It's getting close. <laughs> it's getting close. So there's that. Uh, obviously, going into May, at some point, you can plan on we're going to have another Beyond the Doctor. It'll be the fifth Doctor's turn. I don't know what we're going to watch yet. But probably All Creatures Great Probably some episodes of All Creatures Great and Small. Uh, so that's out there. And uh, you know, going into June, we'll figure out something for Colin. So <laughs> It might be I'm Celebrity. Get me out of here. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Hopefully not. So there's that. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.